guys and gals and welcome back to the we love horror podcast the podcast where we talk about everything and anything horror i'm michael and today i'm joined by a very special guest who is no stranger to the we love horror podcast once again i have my great buddy josh on here from the horror movie crew podcast how are you buddy i'm doing phenomenal thanks for having me of course thanks for wanting to come on because i want (laughs) to i wanted to specify to the listeners really quick i did have another episode planned um, that I did on Saturday with my buddies at Brown Mint Horror, but the audio was all sorts of fucked up. And so I uh, hit you up like what, two days ago and was like, hey, Josh, you want to uh, put out an episode with me on Tuesday? Yeah, it was <laughs> it was uh, last minute for sure. But you know what? I'm always here to help a friend however I can. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. You're like you're the you're the go to because I feel like you're always just down for anything. Like I'm always just like, hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And you're like, yeah, sure. I just love to record podcasts. What can I say? It's uh, it's it's a hobby, and I enjoy it. So uh, any opportunity I get to do it, I'm happy to to do it. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for thank you for coming on again, buddy. I'm excited. So uh, what have you been up to this past week? Uh, let's see. We recorded with you on Sunday for the HMC, um, and that'll be out. It's already out for patrons, but it'll be out uh, to the public on Thursday. I don't know when this will drop, but it'll be out Thursday. Um, yeah, I gotta, when I hop off here, um, uh, do, gonna do stuff with the family and then I'm going to hop right into tremors cause we record tomorrow for the HMC for tremors, uh, which will be out next week. And then I got to get ready for our episode for this podcast, uh, Saturday. So I'm like, <laughs> uh, jam packed here. So it's, it's been wild. Yeah. I was just telling you, I was just telling you this morning before I went to bed, I was like, I got my triple dose of Josh this week. <laughs> you did. You did. You poor thing. Uh, hey, no, I think it's great. So <laughs> right now you'll get sick of me. Everybody does. It's fine. I have that effect on people. For Seth, it might not be a great thing, but you know, he'll be okay. What's funny is I text him. Um, when was it yesterday? Whenever you asked me and I told him, uh, what was going on cause you had your audio issues or whatever. And that, uh, you asked me if I could help fill in. So I asked if he wanted to join us, right? Cause he's mm-hmm. done, he doesn't live far from here. So he was like, well, I got to get ready for our episode and yada, yada, yada. So I was like, okay. So I didn't even run it by you. Cause I was like, he's not gonna, he's not gonna do it. So then he texted me this morning after you'd already texted me and told me that you were going to bed and you'd talk to me, but you know, when, to do this because we're on different time zones and we work different shifts but nonetheless uh, he texted me this morning he was like hey I dug through my old notebooks and found my uh, ring notes if you guys want me to, to hop on the podcast oh, today shit. I can I can do it and I'm like dude like I I can't even get a hold of Michael now you waited too long so <laughs> if Seth's listening be more proactive Seth fucker yeah Seth come on <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> get with the program dude you're the you're the oldest one out of all of us you should be the wisest too but i guess not he's laziest that's his problem he's old and lazy <laughs> he's content old and lazy and content with just yep he's just doing the he sets the bar low so it's never impossible to clear <laughs> so. oh we love you seth i feel like we're just get we're shitting on seth today that's all right well i guess i should preface all that by saying um i should have prefaced i should say um 
I'm not very good at English. I was not an English major in college. But um, I am one-third of the horror movie crew, so we're a weekly horror podcast, and I'm not going to go through that whole spiel, but you can check us out on any major podcast platform. We're at Horror Movie Crew Podcast on Instagram. Uh, I've been on here before, but when I'm talking about Seth and Jess, which I'm sure I'll talk about her at some point, uh, they are the other members of the Horror Movie, horror movie Crew Podcast. So I don't want anybody to be like, who in the hell is Seth? Right. People are probably, some of the listeners that don't know of your guys' podcast are probably like, who the fuck are you guys talking about right now? Yeah, they've already tuned. They're like, all right, I'm not doing I'm not dealing with this shit for an hour and a half. Um but <laughs> yeah. I guess it should also be stated that I'm also one half of another horror podcast, which is Michael and I's podcast, which will come out in March. We're gonna release episodes every first and fifteenth of the month. And, uh, yeah, so the first season we are going to be doing what we call the franchise. We're going to be going through horror franchises and ranking them in our order. We're going to argue about where we're placing them in that order. And uh, it should be fun to to make me watch Michael cry with my picks because, (laughs) you know, it's going to be hilarious. Yeah, you – so, yeah, we pre-recorded a couple of episodes already just to kind of have them ready to go. And uh, my first pick for my franchise episode was The Grudge. And I don't know, Josh about almost gave me a heart attack with some of his uh, rankings. So Tune into (laughs) that. Tune into that. That one will be out the 15th of March. Uh, The first one will be the Saw franchise, which will be out the 1st of March. Um, And we're doing a little teaser episode Maybe at this some point this week it may be out uh, before this one. After this, I'm not sure, but check that out. Um, so it's uh, another horror pod on Instagram and on Apple and anywhere you can get your uh, anywhere you get your podcast at. It'll be on there. So very nice. That was very nice, Josh. Good job. Oh, thanks, dude. Tell all your friends, please. Very smooth. Also, don't be afraid to promote your podcast, dude. Everybody loves listening to you talk about your podcast. I love listening to you talk about your podcast, so plug away, dude. Oh, if you insist. I don't know that that's actually true, but it's okay. It'll be all right. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, did you watch anything good this week at all? Um. Well, when people tune into The Evil Dead, they can hear what I think about The Evil Dead whenever I talk about that on the HMC. Um, also, when I, I was doing this the other day, and I, I do it so much that I have to catch myself. HMC is horror movie crew, just so everybody knows. I don't want them to be like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, <laughs> I've, I've gotten too comfortable coming on here. The problem is that I just don't even tell people what's going on anymore. But, um, yeah, no, so I actually have been watching some stuff. So I watched um, The Little Things on HBO Max. It's got Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, and Rami Malek. And dude, it was really good. It. Uh, I was talking to Brooke from uh, a podcast on Elm Street today about it uh, via text, and he was like, he hasn't seen it, but he was like, I've heard it's a watered down version of Seven, which I don't know if you remember or not, but I'm pretty sure I compared it to Seven uh, yeah. when you recorded with us. So they really is. It's not um, as gruesome as Seven, but the storyline's really good. But Jared Leto steals the show. Had he not been so good, I don't know that I would have really liked it as much because he is really, really good in this movie. Um, but it's really worth watching if you don't have anything else to watch and you're bored. It's it's really it's really worth watching just to see Jared Leto's performance. He does excellent, but he's only in about the second half of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to give too much away, but yeah, that's that's really good. It's on HBO Max. Um, and I told you guys this already, but um, I I've really been into the Fresh Prince of Bel Air on HBO. <laughs> Abby and I, it's it's one of those mo- those things on a movie as a show. It's one of those things where like if you don't have 
a bunch of time to watch a movie, but you also don't have 45 minutes to, which is kind of funny, contradictory here in a second, but you don't have 45 minutes to watch a, uh, like a TV show, an episode of a longer show. It's like, okay, let's throw on for, they're like 20 minute episodes. The problem for us is they're so damn funny that we end up just like watching three of them. So we might as well just watch an hour long TV show or sometimes we watch four or five of them and it's like, well, fuck, we should just watched a movie. But yeah, I don't know why I don't remember it being that funny when I watched it when I was a kid. But I don't know if maybe I'm older and I get get some of the the jokes that I didn't get then. But dude, it is it, like we sit up there and cry laughing. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. I have um not really had a whole lot of time to watch much this past week. I mean, we haven't. Last week was really freaking busy for me, dude. Like the last week was insane. Um, almost, I thought it was going to kill me there for a minute, <laughs> but I managed it. I, I, I figured, I figured my shit out. So we're good. Um, but, uh, I just got into season two of good girls. Have you heard of that one, Josh? My wife watches it. I've never seen it. That's a Netflix show, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, has, uh, the third season actually just came out, uh, not too long ago. I think maybe this week or maybe next week or last week, I okay. think it came out. Mm. she's been into the center which is another show so here's the thing with our our dynamic is we don't have a lot of time to watch tv together so generally we watch stuff separately uh just because our schedules are are different but um so generally if she starts a um tv series or tv show i generally don't even end up watching it which is what i'm getting at she's been really into the center which she started without me so i never have watched it jess uh talked about it on one of the other podcasts she's really into it as well Mm -hmm. but um yeah, that's what she's been into, which I think is is not a Netflix show, but um, I think it's on Netflix. But nonetheless, it yeah. is. Yeah. So I, I bet after she's done with that, she'll watch Good Girls because I know she really did like that show. Yeah, and uh, um, speaking of the center, I actually really fucking enjoy that show. I think it's one of Jessica Biel's best performances. Actually, like she's been in a lot of stuff that I've seen, but um, she's in the first season of The Center. And she was fucking fantastic in it. Is she only it. in the first season? She's only in the first season. So um, every season has like a different person in it. But I think Bill Pullman, the guy, he plays a character in it. I think he's in all three seasons though. So it's like oh. he plays the same person, but it's like different people, if that makes sense. He plays the same per- character? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So he's taking on like different cases um, or something cases yeah oh, okay yeah. gotcha that's cool i didn't know if it was something like maybe american horror story where they're different uh same actors but different characters but it sounds like it must follow him through his cases and stuff which is pretty cool yeah yeah so i mean i if you haven't seen the center which you said you haven't i would recommend watching it at least the first season i haven't watched the second or third one because i'm pretty sure the third one just came out recently too um but i've only seen the first one and i really enjoyed it so I, I have it on my list of things to check out. Also, I was just I was just catching back up um, this past week on the following too. Have you seen that, Josh? The following with uh, Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. Did they do another season? No, no. I was just rewatching it. I haven't watched oh. it in God, probably three years. Yeah, we watched it. Um, that was a Kevin Williamson script, I believe. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we watched it. We got. I I like Kevin Bacon a lot too. I thought that show was really good. Um, I was disappointed that they. That they canceled it, but I think they were kind of running out of storylines, honestly. Yeah, I think there's something. I think there's a lot of things they could have done with it, but you know, hey. it was it was one of those where it started to get a little too far fetched. Because I think the how many seasons are there? Three, 
three. Yeah. Three, because which one is where he actually breaks out of prison? Is that two or three? I, I, be- I believe that's the first one, actually. Okay, one of them gets the like... Because the first episode of the first season is when, it like, the opening scene is him breaking out of prison. Yes, but doesn't he? Doesn't Kevin Bacon catch him and he goes back? Um, or something, I don't remember, but something is, like, so far-fetched in the, toward the end of it, and it's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, I think you're talking about the whole storyline, and spoiler alert, spoiler alert, listeners, if you haven't seen this, so, you know, skip ahead if you want to, but... There's that whole like plot line with him having uh, the serial killer guy having like a twin brother or something like that. And the twin brother is the body that they found in the fucking boathouse that explodes at the end of season one, I think. I can't remember. Um, They lost me. Which was the one? uh, Because I don't know. I probably sound like an idiot right now, but don't they all live in like his whole cult? Don't they like live in a, a big mansion together at some point? I believe that's. Is that season one or is that season two? Cause they don't they have. I think it's season one that they okay. live in a big mansion. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember most. Of it. I just remember something got so freaking far fetched with that show that it was like, oh my goodness. But uh, yeah, no, I did like it, and I I was sad when they canceled it. But like I said, it, for me, it got a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Aside from that, that's all I've been watching. Haven't been doing a whole lot except for you know podcasting stuff this past week. So, um, yeah. With that being said. And also, I want to preface to the listeners, uh, since this was such a last-minute episode, we are actually going to just skip over the five-question round today. Are you cool with that, Josh? Yeah, that works for me, boss. I think we're going to have a good discussion here. I think so, too. So uh, do you want to tell the listeners what we're going to be talking about today, Josh? Yeah, the movie we are going to be discussing today is The Ring, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I am very excited. For some reason, I didn't think you liked this movie. No, I, I, I really do enjoy this movie. Like if you've listened to the episode that I did with podcast on Elm Street, where we talk about Ringu versus the ring, I talk about this movie very highly. I just, I think the grudge is better personally for me. Like that's an unpopular opinion. I already know that because you know, the ring is already a highly regarded film. The grudge, you know, has mixed reviews, but <laughs> I do love both movies. This was the first movie I was introduced to like in the horror genre. So like this is the first movie I was able to sit down and actually watch. Like my parents actually allowed me to watch this movie and I liked it. I, I do like it. I just think the grudge is better, but gotcha. <laughs> my opinion. Well, um, everybody's entitled to their opinion, even when it's wrong. So that's fine. <laughs> oh, Josh, you're funny. I know. All right. So do you want to uh, read off the synopsis for the listeners? Sure. I get to read off the synopsis. Absolutely, dude. When Katie, a 17-year-old girl, suddenly dies mysteriously, her Aunt Rachel investigates. She comes across a cursed videotape that causes whoever watches it to die in seven days. Once she watches the tape herself, it becomes a race against time for her to solve the mystery behind the mysterious curse or become the next victim. Nice, dude. Very nice read-off of that Gotta synopsis. tell you, I actually, mystery, I actually came up with that synopsis on my own. You wrote that? I did. I was going to say, because solve the mystery behind the mysterious curse is a mouthful. So I was like, wow, he's really trying to trip me up here. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Probably could have worded that better, but you You're know. You're good. I just, I just rallied right through. I'm a puke and rally kind of guy. So Yeah, you did great. So, um, And I just have a few facts here that I want to list off. You have the thing in front of you, so you can just read, follow with me. Um, so this film was released in 2002. 
it was directed by Gore Verbrinski and he's made a lot of fucking films like huge powerhouse films. So like he's directed three of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, Curse of the Black Pearl, Dead Man's Chest at World's End, The Weatherman, Rango, The Lone Ranger and A Cure for Wellness. Have you seen A Cure for Wellness, Josh? I don't believe so. Who's in that? Um, Dane DeHaan, I believe, stars in it. I don't think I've seen it. I have seen all of these. I don't. What's the Weatherman? Oh, I've never seen the Weatherman. Okay. I just put it down because it's one of his like bigger movies. I, I gotcha. Okay, so I've seen all the Pirates movies and Rango and the Lone Ranger. I have not seen a Cure for Wellness or the Weatherman. See, I don't know. I don't. I feel like I know you well enough to know whether or not you'd like this film or not. I'm not sure you would like this film, Josh. A Cure for Wellness. It's like one of those weird movies. It's kind of like a slow burn type of oh, film. Yeah. No, not for me. I don't like slow <laughs> burns at all. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I don't. I don't think this is the movie for you. But I mean, if you if you ever are interested in watching it, I would highly recommend it because it is a great film. Um, not a lot but, of horror going on on here. I know it's crazy, right? Uh, and it uh, stars Naomi Watts as Rachel, and she's also known for The Ring 2, uh, King Kong, Funny Games, Dream House, The Impossible, Birdman, The Divergent series, Shut In, and then she was in 10 episodes of Twin Peaks, which I have not watched, so I don't know if that's any good. We tried to go back and watch it because uh, they took like a humongous break in between the old series and then they rebooted it for like one series in modern day and um, we just we were just so not into the original one that we never even got to the new ones which kind of bums me out because I did want to watch it. Um, yeah. Yeah but Funny Games is a great movie. I don't know if you've seen it or not but it is excellent. I have. I've seen it once in my life and I don't I don't know. I mean, unless I do an episode on it in the future, I don't think it's a movie I can ever watch again. Like it was a great, and I say that because not because it was a bad film or anything. It was a great film. I loved it. It's just one of those movies that it's like a one and done thing. And if you never watch it again in your life, I don't know. That's just my thing. I actually saw it on a list of films a while back of like films that you can watch once in your life and never watch again. Like that was one of the films that was, or that was one of the films that was on that list. And I was like, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. I think it's good. Naomi Watts is great in it, but yeah, I can, I can, I kind of see what you're saying there. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So Martin Henderson as Noah, he's in torque smoking aces, Mr. And Mrs. Smith. Uh, he's in 48 episodes of Grey's Anatomy and the thing that I most know him from, aside from this film, is The Strangers Pray at Night. Uh, took me a while when I watched that film to recognize. I was like sitting there in the theater when I went and watched The Strangers Pray at Night. And I was like, why does this fucking guy look so familiar? <laughs> and I'm sitting there like trying to rack my brain the entire movie. Like, what the fuck have I seen this guy from? And then I was like, oh, fuck, he's in the ring. Yeah. So. Noah. Huh. <laughs> I've never, uh, actually, this is funny. I've never watched Strangers Pray at Night. I was such, am such a huge Strangers fan that um, I just, I can't bring myself to watch it without Liv Tyler in it. I got so excited uh, mm-hmm. when they kept, because they kicked around an idea of doing a sequel with her forever. And then that came yeah. out and I was like, I don't know. I don't want it to taint what I think of the original. So I've actually never seen the Strangers Pray at Night, believe it or not. Um, to be completely honest with you, I don't really think you're missing out on a lot. I mean, there there, there are some great moments in the film, but I think um, I re- actually remember my dad and I watching it together. We put it on the TV and my dad was like, you could make this movie. And he didn't mean it in like a he didn't mean it like in an insulting way. But he was like, this is a movie that like anybody could make. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just like, you know, he, he wasn't really impressed by it. I think um, 
I can't remember the mom who plays the mom in it, but she's the one that stars in uh, Good Girls. She's the redheaded one. I can't remember what her name is in real life, but she's great in that film. And Bailey Madison is really good in that film. But aside from that, it's not it's not great. I'll so. eventually watch it, but uh, it's not on my must see list right now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe you can come back on the show sometime and we can uh, discuss it or something. That'd be cool. Like to hear your opinion on it, but. Anyway, moving on. So David Dorfman, who plays Aiden, he's in The Ring 2. He's also in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre film from 2003. And he's in Drillbit. Excuse me. He's in Drillbit Taylor. So he's not in a lot of stuff that I... Those are all pretty fairly old movies too, aren't they? None of those are really newer, I don't think. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, when I was looking at his IMDb, he hasn't done a film since like 2000 eight or 2009 or something so he hasn't he hasn't been in the acting biz for a while so Hmm. intriguing yeah so um brian cox who plays richard morgan he's in a lot of shit and i didn't realize how much shit that i actually recognized him from until i looked at this list i was like holy (laughs) shit like uh so he's in x2 x-men reunited he's in troy the born supremacy he's in red eye which i didn't even fucking realize until i looked that up i was like oh my god he does play rachel mcadam's dad in that film what the hell how did i not notice that (laughs) um he's in the ringer he's in zodiac and i i didn't realize he was in trick-or-treat either oh really yeah because i i don't know he and the reason i i feel so stupid for not realizing that it's him because he has a very distinct voice Mm -hmm. like his voice is very like listening to his voice i'm like oh i can tell who that is but right. for some reason it never crossed my mind that it was him and then he's also in the autopsy of jane doe which have you seen that one i've never seen it um it's it's well, again it's on the list of things to watch i've just i've never seen it do you enjoy it um i've seen it once and i'll have to go back i don't want to i don't want to sit here and give it like a a full consensus without actually going back and watching it again. But it was one of those films for me that the first time I watched it, I was, I was like, "Eh, it was okay. Like it (laughs) was, it was fine. It was just like, I felt like everybody else was just like, like shouting its praises to the high heavens. And I was just kind of like, it was an okay movie. It's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I wanted to do a couple of honorable mentions just because these people aren't like huge in the film, but they're, you know, in other big stuff. So Amber Tamblin who plays Katie, She's in the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants one and two, which I love her in. <laughs> I I have a soft spot for those films, and I think I talked about it when we, oh, what episode did I do? I think it was when we were talking about The Ring on Mark and Brooks' podcast. Um, I talked about how I grew up with those films, and so like for me, those I don't know, those films have like a tender spot in my heart. But I've never also- seen them, believe it or not. They're pretty cheesy. <laughs> like you watch them, you watch them now, like. 15 years or so later and it's just kind of like oh these films are kind of they're not films not great they didn't age well gotcha i mean they're they're not horrible but it's like you watch them now and it's like ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh um she's also in the grudge too she's in blackout she plays a small role in 127 hours and then she's in 24 episodes of two and a half men she's done more stuff than that but that's just the stuff that i know her from personally so um who is she in two and a half men oh shit i can't remember what her name is in that show um fuck and i haven't i haven't watched it in forever so i have no fucking idea who huh. she is in that show i don't remember her on there I, can, I didn't i wasn't like an avid watcher but i did watch a few of them i just 
Huh, weird. Um, one thing real quick, though, to jump back, Brian Cox is also in a show on HBO called Succession, and it is a phenomenal show for those that have not seen it. It's basically about this rich family, and they're just like the worst people on the planet, led by him. And it is such a good show. It's called Succession. It's uh, Hopefully they're having a new season come out here soon. But uh, sorry, continue. No, you're good. You're good. Um, I'll have to check that out because I didn't, I didn't see that. So when I was going through, I guess it's just because like I usually just when I do my list of people that are in these films, I usually put them down in stuff that I've seen personally. Gotcha. So maybe, maybe I should put more down that other people, but I don't know. I just, I just put down things that I've seen them in. So I'm like, I don't know if anyone has any other things that they know them from, like shout it out. So, um, but DeVay Chase, I don't know if that's how you say her name. She plays uh, Samara in this film and she's, she hasn't been in a lot of stuff, but um, she's in Donnie Darko. She's in Lilo and Stitch. She voices Lilo. And she's also in the Lilo and Stitch TV series. That was like 67 episodes. So I don't know. She, she's done a lot of stuff since the ring. So I don't know. Just thought I'd mention her because she's obviously a big part of this film. So, (laughs) right. Absolutely. I think it's Davy Chase. Davy Chase. Yeah, there we go. I don't know. I was like, how do you say that name? Did I've been they, wrong and I've been wrong in the past. No, she's excellent, especially in this movie, which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about quite quite a bit, but yeah, no, oh, she's yes. great. For sure. And then uh this film was made on a forty eight million dollar budget and the opening weekend was not great. I I guess if you like put it against the budget, it was fifteen million. So didn't do great on its first opening weekend. Uh but the total U.S. gross was 129 million, and then the worldwide was nearly 2.5 million. So it made its return. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I don't know if you have this in here or not. If we're going to talk about it, but they uh, and this is going. Uh, we actually HMC did this uh, episode. It was one of our first episodes we did was um, the ring because again, it's one of my favorites. But um, the the marketing for this movie was so weird. Like the first two months or something, that the marketing was out for it. All they did was play the tape. They didn't tell you what movie it was. They didn't tell you anything. All they did was they played the tape, and that was it before they ever kind of pushed the – told anybody what the name of the movie was. So I don't know that the marketing for this was that great, which may have led to that $15 million box office, especially um, considering that um, in – you generally, when you do a Japanese horror movie – horror movies in general do better overseas than they do in the U.S. anyway – uh, yeah. historically speaking and ha- having this be a remake of a very popular Japanese horror movie you would think that it would have done a lot better um, but I guess that is the US gross there so yeah and it's it, I mean it's just the opening weekend it didn't do great it's opening weekend but I, I feel like word of mouth and like people talking about this film because I remember when this film came out everybody was fucking talking about it like everybody mm-hmm. was like have you seen this movie oh my god it's so scary Bloody bloody blada. Oh my god, you have to watch this movie. I just remember it being like <laughs> such a fucking like phenomena when this movie came out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was different. At the time when you think about when it came out, it was 2002. We were coming off of that that slasher craze that Scream had started in 96 cuz you had all those freaking slasher uh I don't want to call them ripoffs. We had all these post-Scream <laughs> slasher movies, right? And that's really what invigorated the genre in my opinion uh going into yeah. the 2000s. Then you had this J horror Japanese horror remake craze from 2000. Really? I think it kind of started with this movie. So 2002 through, Oh shoot. I don't know. Probably even now, probably (laughs) 
Yeah, but I mean, it was like really like this movie, and it's funny because you see that happen with any with anything really. Because with Scream, it did so great. Then it, it spawned all of these other, you know, you know, I know what you did last summer, the Urban Legends, mm-hmm. etc. Um, Halloween H two O. But then this movie took off. So then you saw The Grudge, you saw Dark Water, you saw Shutter, you saw um, Mirrors. Yeah, like all of this, it's just yeah. like you find a, a a formula that works and you just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until nobody wants to watch them anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what this movie did for for the horror genre. Which for me, I, that's really why I this is the, the first one that I saw. So I saw this obviously before I saw The Grudge, but it's it's always stuck with me. I really enjoy this movie, and uh, yeah, that surprises that's even surprised me back then when I when I looked that stat up myself for our episode was that it only it had only done that little amount in the first uh, you know start in the U.S. So it's funny though because you look at the DVD sales of it or in the VH or the V whenever it came out on. Uh, for you know home consumption and that is i think it was one of the highest selling at, at that point I think. I think yeah i think i read that it sold like two million dvds in the first week mm-hmm. of its release on dvd yeah i think i sold they sold two million copies of it so i mean fuck <laughs> yeah that's yeah. wild wild but i'm I, i'm gonna i'm gonna go with what you said though and say that it was probably had to, had a lot to do with the marketing so people weren't really fucking sure what they were watching <laughs> Right. <laughs> Which is, I, I get the whole like wanting to do something unique for the marketing, but it's like you could have also put out a trailer too, like just a normal trailer. And maybe that would have uh, right. helped your sales in the opening weekend alone. But, you know. It kind of makes me wonder though, because maybe they did do it correctly. We're, we're focusing on this very bad start when you really look at how it finished. And if they put out yeah. this trailer of just that video and then people go see it and they're really relying on word of mouth for this movie to take off. Right. And then it's, well, it was that video. It was that staticky TV video that you saw and they're like, Oh, that's what that was. And then maybe that's where it picked up. But I'd have to believe this was a lot of word of mouth is what got this this going. Because I'm like you. I remember people talking about this movie. And um, that's that's really, you know, I think what took what took off was that word of mouth that, that people passing on some of the scenes, some of the shock value that you get, um, which really it's now it's not as shocking as it was back then. But um, yeah, I would, I would say that probably played heavily into it was just the marketing. But again, maybe they did that on purpose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I have some fun facts here. I don't know if you had anything that you wanted to uh, chime in with after this, Josh, but just let just cut in, cut in if you have anything that you know about this film, because I know how much you love this film. So <laughs> just if you have any if you have any facts you want to throw out, uh, feel free. But um, so until Stephen King's It from 2017, this movie was the highest grossing horror remake in history with a total worldwide gross of over Two hundred and forty-nine million dollars, hmm. which is crazy. It's a lot of money. Which is what I was supposed to say at the beginning when I said worldwide gross. I said nearly two point five million, and I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> two hundred and nearly two hundred and fifty million. Sorry, that's what I was supposed to say. I'm correcting myself now. Um, <laughs> but uh, and this is this was a fact I found really interesting because uh, the next fact is. On its first week of release in the U.S. and Canada, select cinemas put actual copies of the cursed tape on seats for unsuspecting viewers as freebies. The cursed video is now available as an Easter egg feature on the DVD, which is kind of cool. Very cool. I think that's I have the the DVDs for this one and the first or the second one, um, and then I have, also have the Rings documentary. Um, which goes into the making of and all this other stuff. There's like an additional storyline that takes place before ring two starts. Um, 
But yeah, that would have been cool to get your hands on one of those tapes, though. I know. I wonder if somebody still has theirs. That would be fucking cool. I but, bet that would sell for a pretty penny these that's days. That's what I was going to say. You could probably get one on eBay if you really want one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the role of Rachel was first offered to Jennifer Connelly, who would later star in another Japanese horror remake, Dark Water, from 2005. The script was then offered to Jennifer Love Hewitt, to Gwyneth Paltrow, to Gate to Kate Beckinsale, and finally to Naomi Watts. Why is Gwyneth Paltrow always getting fucking offered these roles, dude? I'm not um, a big Gwyneth Paltrow fan. I I'm think not she's okay. Either. Yeah. But she was she was also offered the role to be Rose in Titanic, which I'm like, uh, fuck no. Like, sorry. <laughs> Isn't she uh-uh. uh, related to somebody? I'm not sure. I think she's got some um, some connections in the uh, Holly Weird community, which is why she got get continues to get so many uh, offers. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big Gwyneth Paltrow fan either. Um, but I'm glad that Naomi Watts got this. I don't I don't not like Jennifer Conley or any of these other people. Obviously, I like Jennifer Love Hewitt a lot from the I know you did last summer series, but I've I think Naomi Watts knocks it out of the park. She's one of my favorite parts of the the whole franchise. So. Yeah, she's she's fucking fantastic in this film and in the ring too as well. Um but this was kind of interesting. I read this and um I was like, "Oh, I got to put this down." So, excuse me. A theory about how Samara kills her victims is that she mentally projects all of the images from the cursed videotape into the victim's mind all at once, causing an intense mental overload which literally causes them to internally ex- explode leaving their external body seemingly rotten and dried out as a result of the overload this is why the victims receive a heart attack before dying their mouths are horribly disfigured despite no sign of physical attack and a series of screenshots from the cursed videotape briefly flash moments before he or she dies which i thought was kind of interesting yeah that was um that's an interesting theory i don't know what my finalized theory is on how she actually kills her victim because it never really says but I think there is a Japanese um, legend, or I'm probably saying this in, incorrectly, but the, if, uh, the ability to do this, ghosts, not ghosts, but uh, demons or whatever, with the ability to actually do that. Um, and throughout the movie, you find out that she can project images through it with her brain, right? Like she, she tells yeah. Aiden that uh, she just thinks them and they are. Um, she doesn't draw them or tell them. She just shows him. You see the uh, barn, the top of the barn, where she engraved the picture of that tree on the wall. They covered up with wallpaper, um, and then the videotape is made that way as well. So it's it's that makes sense to me that that's that's how she would do it because it never really says, and their their faces are horribly disfigured. Oh yeah, 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 and I I think it's a very interesting theory. I like it. I think it I think it makes a lot of sense actually. When I was reading that, I was like, you know what? That actually that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I could see that being an, uh, a valid, uh, you know, explanation for how these people die. Right. I would take it. Um, but uh, the last fact that I have, which I thought was really interesting, was Amber Tamblyn would would go on to appear in another Japanese horror remake, The Grudge 2, in 2006. Excluding the cast of Sadako versus Kayako in 2016, she was one of the few actors to appear in a ring film and a Juon film. So Intriguing. Yeah, I think that's interesting that she, like, went on to star in two of the most popular Japanese horror franchises of all time. So <laughs> it's funny. Cause I think when we were doing our episode for another horror podcast on the grudge, I think I called her Katie during that. So, <laughs> Probably did. <laughs> that's what I knew her as was Katie from the ring, but 
Yeah. Oh man. And you were trying to ruffle my feathers before we did our episode <laughs> on the grudge. Cause you were like, God, are they trying to be any more like the ring? God, they've even got the girl from it. That's what I there. said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, shut up, Josh. <laughs> Two completely different fucking movies. All right. Mm, mm, are they though? I think they are in their own right. That's okay. But I don't know. That's not you what know. we're here to discuss. That's true. <laughs> All right. So do you want to get into this discussion? And did you have any el- anything else you wanted to bring up about, you know, facts about this film before we get started? No, I think uh, I'm sure more will drain out of me as we uh, as we <laughs> talk about the movie more because there's a bunch of them up here. I don't have them written down, but I'm sure they'll just ooze out as we start talking. So now let's jump into it. Cool, buddy. So uh, this opening fucking scene, dude, what do you think about it? I love the opening scene. I think that there's so much tension in this scene, and I, I could see how now, watching it then, it was really scary. Watching it now as an adult, and I talk about this all the time, is because I was introduced to horror movies a long time ago because I'm old. Um, even watching it now, yeah, I see the, it, how it could be, you know, somebody watching it now who had, has maybe never seen it might think it's a little corny, but I remember watching it back then, and just the, the fake jump scares with the doors and... Um, the TV turning on. It was they're just simple, subtle scares that they did so well. Nothing's really over the top with how they shoot the movie. Um, another a fun fact here is that actually the way they shot it, they shot it with the lighting so there were no shadows. So none of the actors, if you ever, if you, when you watch this movie, there none of the actors mm-hmm. ever have shadows, which is the way they shot it. And they also shot it with this like green tint to it on purpose yeah, yeah. to make it look that that way that they have it. It looks kind of dark, kind of eerie. Um, which is why they did that. But you can see that right at the beginning of this movie. But, um, yeah, I think Katie, it's at your girl Amber. Uh, I think she does a really good job because at first you don't know whether this tape really exists or not because she kind of jokes about it. And then uh, when the phone rings, when her face really shows that, okay, there really is a, there really is a tape, right? Um, so, no, I think the beginning of it's great. And it's not a slow starter. I hate movies that are slow. I not- yeah. Notoriously hate movies that are slow and this thing just kicks right off and uh yeah no i think it's it's uh that's part of the reason i think people really got into it is because it does start off so so heavy well and the thing about it is is like you don't really see anything that's the thing like i don't like the the thing about this opening scene is that it's so effective but you don't fucking see anything like right I mean, you have like the like you were saying, you have these little subtle scares with the TV turning on and off, and the and the fridge door opening by itself, and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you still don't see anything. Like you don't even know what happens to her, you know. Um, but I think I think what really like kind of sets this scene off is when Becca starts talking to her about the tape itself, because like, and I think Becca does a really great job. She's just a small character in this film, but like the scenes that you see her in, I think she does a pretty good job. But she talks about like, you know. And suddenly this woman comes on smiling at you, right? You know, like just the whole, like the way she like says it and it's just creepy. And then, you know, the way Amber or Katie, I'm just going to call her a real name. The way Katie, you know, reacts, you can tell that she's like, oh, fuck. Like, right. You know, and I, I, I just like, I love the scene. I love the way this, well, I love the way this whole film is shot. But specifically, I love the way this whole opening scene is shot as well. I think it's like a beautifully filmed movie. It is, and to play on what you just said, yeah, you don't really see anything, but you're still like so invested in what's going on. And to say that, be, that, that means that they did really well because really you just meet these characters and really they're not in the movie that much, but I feel like you're invested right out of the gate. Uh, maybe because when I watched this movie, I was around their age, so I kind of could relate to it. Um, but 
yeah, I think for the amount of what what they really do, and again, it's, I'm going to keep going back to this, is there's a lot of tension in that scene because you're like, you're tensed up the whole time. She, Katie, is tensed up the whole time because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and then at the end of the scene with that real high-pitched uh, sound that you get oh, yeah. when it zooms, like it, it's almost you see, I, I don't know if you're supposed to be in like a point of view shot of Samara or what, but like that you see the camera kind of rush at Katie and you hear that high-pitched noise and it's just like super eerie. So they, at the beginning of this movie is great in my opinion. Yeah, and the way like the... <clears throat> the way the tape sounds when she's walking up the stairs, like you can hear it going and you like just see the water seeping out from under the door. It's like, right. Ah, just this scene is so fucking effective. Like I still love it to this day. Like I watched that scene. I'm like, hot damn. The scene is good. It is. It is. <laughs> I mean, the fil- the whole film is great, but I think this opening scene for the way it kicked this off this film. And the fact that you don't see anything at the beginning, you don't even see anything until the end when the, re- when the big reveal at the end comes up, like you don't, you still don't know what's going on. And then, you know, for a movie to be this effective throughout the whole thing without actually seeing Samara until yeah. the end, like that's impressive to me. Like, yeah. I think that's very impressive. That's something to commend for this film for sure. Um, but yeah, I love how like as soon as you were saying how like the camera rushes at her, you kind of see her face change in that shot too. Like yep. her face, you see her face go from like normal to you know fucked up. <laughs> she <laughs> fucks up her victims in this film too. For like sure. some of her faces, it's like holy shit. E. <laughs> the other thing that we kind of got wrapped up on when we did this was the just the atmosphere. Something we kept talking about was the atmosphere of the movie. It's always raining. It's always dark. It's always it's never pretty. Um, the sun's never out. I mean, it's typical Seattle, right? That's just, and I've never been to Seattle. That's just how it's been explained to me. That's how it is. Um, but even in these shots, you see the window, the windows that have water running down them. You hear the storm outside. You hear the rain. It's just the, the atmosphere of this movie is really well, and it really plays into the story, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, they picked Seattle specifically for this film just because they wanted that dreary, eerie, like, feel. Like, it's a pretty like you said it's not a pretty movie but like the way that they shoot it and the way that they like light it it still makes it pretty like it's it's pretty in its own way but it's like not your normal idea of what you would consider pretty (laughs) it's one of those movies that when it's on you know what it is just by look like you could take a still from that movie you would know what movie it is just because of the way it's shot the way it looks and so i think you know that's that's says a lot because a lot of movies you have no idea and that's just one that that they did a great job with and you can just tell uh, yeah. The other thing about the rain throughout the theme of the rain throughout the whole movie that I really like is, um, and obviously we're going to talk about it later, so spoiler alert, but so Samara is underwater, right? She's always, her hair's always wet, etc. Well, so is everybody else in this movie because it's always raining. Everybody's always wet. I just think that's that's kind of correlates to what the whole point of the story is, right? And I, yeah. I think that's kind of cool that it's always raining. So everybody's always wet, always underwater. So when you see her, it's not that, out of the realm of possibility because you know where she walks she leaves wet footprints and so i think it kind of played into it as well it's like well is there really this person going on because there could be wet foot but it's it's always raining everybody's always wet so that's the other thing that i really like about this movie is that you know it'd be one thing if it was dry sunny and hot out but it never is yeah well and i i found that one fact that you brought up very interesting too because i i didn't even realize this i've seen this movie so many freaking times um I've never realized that not a single character is ever in shadow. That's very interesting. That's a, yeah, I didn't know that. That's, that's really cool. Like this movie is beautifully lit. 
like uh, on, on top of being beautifully shot this film is also just beautifully lit like every single freaking like scene in this film is just uh, a masterpiece in my opinion agree so, but um i love this next scene where you get into the classroom where you get you get introduced to aiden and he's just drawing and you hear fucking Rachel walking down the hallway and she's like, listen, Harvey, you are t- uh, whatever. She says something prick. I, <laughs> I'm going to go down there and uh, stab your eye out with that little red pencil. You love so much. Uh-huh. Like it's such a great introduction to her because she comes in the classroom and she's just like shit. Cause she hangs up the phone and she's like, sorry, I'm late, you know? <laughs> so it's like, I don't know her care. I love her introduction to this film. Cause you just fucking hear her yelling on the phone. Yeah, at her boss. Um, but I think this scene is very interesting because you find out that um, her and her teacher or her and Aiden's teacher have a conversation and she's talking about how like these drawings that Aiden drew are of Katie. Do you, do you think they're of Katie or do you think they're of Samara? Because I always thought that they were of Samara. Um, I think that they, I don't remember what they were right off the top of my head, but I do think that um, they're of Katie because uh, Katie had confided in Aiden earlier that basically she don't think she told him what was going on. Basically, she knew when she was going to die. Um, so maybe they were of Samara. I, I honestly I can't remember. But um, the the main thing about those drawings is that she, he had drawn them before Katie died, because uh, um, Rachel makes a comment about yeah, you know he's going through a lot right now. His best friend just died. Um, so it's it's normal that he's drawing stuff like this. And the teacher's like, well, no, he actually drew these last week, which was before Katie had even died, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I think this which, scene does a, a great job of a couple things. One, like you said, it really builds that character of Rachel. You see right out of the gate what kind of person she is. She doesn't take shit from anybody. She's very driven, may not be the best mother, um, but she's obviously career-focused. The other thing is that, a, again, she doesn't take shit from anybody, right? Because one of my favorite parts of this scene is when uh, her and the teacher are talking and the teacher's like, you know, can we talk? So she's, the teacher sits down in one of the kids' desks and mm-hmm. Rachel pulls the chair out and then sits on top of the desk, like hovering over her. And I was like, oh, that's a total power move. Power move, yep. <laughs> so yeah, this scene well, does I- a great job. And it's not that long of a scene, right? So it's like you learn all this stuff about Rachel and you find out that Aiden knew about Katie's uh, issues and that uh, he may be seeing things. Yeah, well, and I also love how she keeps correcting the teacher, too. She's like, please call me Rachel. And she just keeps calling her Mrs. Ke- Miss Keller. And she's like, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I like this scene as well. I like the, you kind of get a brief introduction on Aiden. And well, I feel like you get more of an introduction to Aiden in the next scene, because this is the scene where she's putting him into bed, like tucking him into bed. And um, I don't know, there's something about like you it's just interesting that his uh, character is so independent because she's like, do you want me to read something to you? He's like, nah, I'm kind of tired. Like, uh-huh. he's just like, I just want to go to bed. And I think it's, <laughs> I think it's kind of weird that he calls her Rachel in this film. He does. <laughs> like he doesn't call her mom. He calls her Rachel. Which Except is just... for once. He calls her mom one. He doesn't call her mom. He refers to her as mom once. Um, when it's him and Noah talking, but um, yeah, yeah, the roles on these two are completely flipped. He's like the adult, and she is like this this discombobulated child. And to me, it seems like he takes care of her more so than she takes care of him. But again, yeah. I think that's character building as to um, what kind of person she is and where her head and or her motives are at. Um, because you get that kind of character flip switch change at the end where she kind of comes around full circle at the end of it. Um. But I think think you can really 
understand that until you saw what she was before, which I think they do a great job of explaining that through Aiden's character, really. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I like how he talks about, um, he kind of goes into like explaining a little bit more about Katie because he's like, we don't have a lot of time. And she's like, oh no, I'm sorry. I know I've been working a lot. And he's like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about time before we die. <laughs> and she's like, well, you have lots of time. And then she's like, so, and then he's like, so you know when I'm going to die? <laughs> right. And then she's like, no, but nobody does. But that doesn't mean you have to worry about it. And he's like, but Katie knew. She yeah. told me. I don't know. It's like, he's kind of creepy in this film too. Like he creeps me out. I think I he's like that in everything. Him. He's like that in Texas Chainsaw, which I mean, he's supposed to be because of the way, you know, the family he's with. But yeah, I think that's, that's, uh, He's like that in all, and even the second one, he acts that way. I think I'm, I think, I wonder if it's just the actor, or if that's how he was instructed to act. But uh, he he does it. I really enjoy him in these movies. Me too. Um, I I think he's a little bit annoying in the second film, but I like him in this one. When like, he's I, I actually definitely... possessed, or before? I don't know. There's just something about how he is in the second film that I'm mm-hmm. like, eh. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, no, I I love this whole scene because you kind of get more of you know a backstory and what like his mindset is like what kind of goes through his mind and you know um yeah and then he's just like good night rachel and he just turns around and like just (laughs) and she's just kind of like okay what the fuck right and then i love this next scene too because as you were saying like he definitely seems more of the adult here because like there's there gets you get to that scene where rachel's like rummaging through her closet like have you seen my black dress she's like freaking out because she's like running late and then you just go she goes out there and you just see it like neatly ironed on the fucking or not ironed because he says it's a bit wrinkled but you see it just like neatly like placed on the couch right and uh yeah he's already fucking got his like suit and tie on like this kid is god he's He's fucking independent as fuck dude he's got it together like i said he's dead the role is definitely flipped and you get you get to see that dynamic multiple times um throughout again a short period of time so they they do a really great job of building that um relationship between them so you can kind of see how the dimensions are flipped oh yeah and then i i like this whole funeral scene too because um they arrive there and i don't know it's just it's a really sad scene because you get like the interaction with rachel and the parents and the moms talking about how they went to like three different doctors and not one of them could tell them what happened to their daughter and you know she's just talking about how it makes no sense because it's like how does a 16 year old girl's heart just stop like right and then you get that nice little you know fucking (laughs) jump scare this jump scare got like got me hard the first time i watched (laughs) this film like it's a it's a effective jump scare because she talks about how um she's trying to ask rachel to figure out what happened she wants her to investigate it and rachel's like i don't know yeah and she's like she says like the whole line, I saw her face and then it just cuts to that jump cut of Katie in the closet and she looks fucking messed up. It's that music. It's that high pitched sound that gets you every time in this movie. Yeah. But yeah. Cause you, like, you get that the visual of what she looks like too. It's just, ugh. yeah, it's nasty. It sticks with you for sure. And at the time we'd never seen anything. like I had never seen anything like that. So it was like, Oh man, I really like stuck with you. Especially when you, you know, you, have that whole dynamic of the television and, and the, um, the, the, the people were so into that or still, they really, they still are, but there's a, a scene later, which I'm sure we'll talk about that kind of plays into that. But, um, yeah, the funerals were super sad. The dad's like sleeping all day and the mom is just like fed up with him cause he just sleeps all day. But I think, again, I've never been in that position, so I don't know how I would handle it, but like, 
I don't know. It's just crazy. And they're just grasping for straws. And Rachel, because of her job, she's an investigative reporter, investigative journalist. Um, she's really cut out to do what needs to be done to, to figure this out, which you also see in this scene where she's immediately starts talking to the friends and like buddies up with the friends. And she just has a, a likable personality um, that you see shine through. So again, I think Naomi Watts does great in this movie. Oh, me too. I would, I don't know. I would kind of disagree with you with the likable personality thing. She kind of comes off bitchy to me because she just comes up to the kids and she's like, Oh, thanks. And she just takes their fucking like cigarette. And it's like, okay. And no, you she can had tell her own. Kid- she had her own cigarettes. She had them. She took one out of the pack. I think she might ask for a light, but, um, Oh, that's right. Yeah. But yeah. you see it multiple times in this movie, which is why I think Naomi Watts does so great is yeah, she's a super bitchy person, but when <laughs> she's doing her job, like for instance, this scene where she buddies up with the kids, she's like, she can turn it on and off right to where, cause you see her do it with the guy at the cabin, uh, the cabin place. She does it with the Brian Cox, the husband. So she can turn yeah. it on and off whenever she wants, um, which you see her do in that scene with the kids. So I, that's why I was like, wow, she's, you know, she's really, she's playing two characters. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I also like the scene because you kind of get an ex, more of an explanation on the backstory of this tape because you get an introduction for of Adam Brody, a very young Adam Brody. I don't know if this was like his first role I'm or one sure. of his first roles, but like it's not a huge role. And then you see like him in like major stuff now where it's like, holy shit. Um, but uh yeah he talks about how um they had or katie had a boyfriend named josh that went to another school and the one girl's like it's kind of a secret and the other girl's like kind of because like her parents (laughs) didn't know about it (laughs) and then um rachel's like so where is josh and uh adam brody's characters are like josh is dead right and they talk about how you know he uh died the same night that katie did and then that kind of um I think that's what sparks Rachel's initial interest in this. Like, I think that's when she becomes fully invested is in that scene right there where she finds out, Oh shit. Like they died the same night. Right. It can't be a coincidence. It's weird, you know? And then you get that scene of Aiden right after that, where he's like standing on um, right at the staircase. And you get that like flashback of Katie, Katie's feet walking up, running up the stairs. And so so is this like Samara that's like planning all of these like psychic thoughts into his head? I don't think so because he's never watched the tape. I don't think she can actually um, impact you until you watch the tape. But I think it's because he had such a connection with Katie. That's mm-hmm. what I'm wondering if it, if that's what it is because you kind of see it played through Aiden. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's Samara yet. But I don't know okay, though because I-, I feel like she does kind of get him to watch the tape later. So. Yeah, and I always kind of wondered that too because I was like, why, why can he see like these echoes of the past? You know, like with Katie's feet running up the stairs, like you can clearly tell that he can see that. So I don't know. It was just it was always kind of confusing to me of like, is this Samaro that's like leading him up to Katie's room, or is just like you said, does he just have that strong of a connection with her that he can just you know, it, maybe it's like a telepathy type of thing. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I'm not but, sure. But uh, yeah, he goes into her, her room. And then he's like looking at the TV and you see like the ripple go by. Uh-huh. Which you and saw earlier when-, when Katie was at the house. She, When the TV turned on in the TV room, you saw that ripple go by behind her. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, Rachel comes in and she basically tells him to get out of her room. And he's like, it's not her room anymore. Like yeah. he's such a... <laughs> 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 it's kind of a passive aggressive little shit, isn't he? 
That kind of he kind of acts like her, like she. That's something she would say. So I, you see it shine through. Um, yeah. But yeah, another great scene. You find out a lot of backstory and details here, and, and again, it helps to push the story along. So I I like that that sequence of scenes as well. Yeah, and it, um, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the scene where she finds the because she's going through Katie's like notebook, and mm-hmm. she sees like a bunch of things scribbled out in the magazine, and then she finds out finds the little receipt from the the photo place the yep. one out a uh, 24 hour photo place or whatever and then that's how she finds the photos from the cabin yep exactly and uh i like how i like how in these photos like once you watch the tape your face is just like distorted mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think that's another great uh great thing the movie does is that she gets some the picture she so she gets the pictures and the kids you can see in the picture so even the pictures tell a story because mm-hmm. You see what them get to the cabin, the Shelter Mountain Inn cabin, and their pic- their faces are fine in the pictures. You see them actually putting the tape into the VCR, and then every picture after that, their faces are all distorted. In that place throughout the movie, as people watch the tape, you can see them on cameras and on in pictures where their faces are distorted, just like that. So I I like how that theme carries through the movie as well. Yeah, yeah, and then um, I like how she's also like researching the time of death for everybody. And she realizes that all the people that were at that cabin, they all died at the exact same time on the same night. Yep. So then and I, I love this fucking scene where she's in her, uh, at work and her fucking boss comes up to behind her and he's like, you're fired. And she's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, yes, you are. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm too, I'm cooking too good a story. And he's like, what is it? And she's just like, like she just shoes him away. It's like, holy shit. Owns his ass, dude. She truly wears the pants in every fucking relationship she's in, doesn't she? Oh, for sure, for sure. But I think if you're not successful at what you do, you wouldn't be able to get away with that. So I think again, that's another testament to her character. Very true. Yeah. You can obviously tell she's dedicated to her job, which is I think another kind and she she kind of explains it more so in the second film. She kind of talks about how she wasn't exactly there as a parent in the second film, so she wanted to be there for Aiden more right in the second one. So like you can definitely tell that she's m- more focused on her job than being a parent to Aiden because she just kind of just leaves him, lets him do whatever he wants to. Like she lets him walk to school on his own. Yeah. She lets him fucking like make his own breakfast. It's just like She's not a very good mom in this film. I'm not gonna not gonna lie about that. She's she's kind of a shitty mom. No, for sure. She's not great. Definitely not that scene where he walks to school in the rain by himself, I was like, oh man, that's terrible. Yeah, and I'm sorry, in a big city like Seattle where bad shit happens not all the time. I'm not saying but it's like a big city. Like I'm not I'm paranoid enough to even like if I had kids, I wouldn't let my kids walk out the door without me until they turn a certain age. Cause it's yeah. just like all this stuff that you, and I don't care if it's a small town, if it's a big city, like shit happens like that everywhere. <laughs> well, I think so, you're also supposed to, to, to get out of this, that she's pretty successful because her apartment mm-hmm. is nice and where she lives is nice. I mean, yeah, the, the show's really dark, but I mean, where she lives is nice. You could tell that they live in the, probably the better part of town. So I think that's also supposed to uh, come through in that, that she's pretty successful and she's good at what she does. Um, so yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe the neighborhood was safe. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I still wouldn't be letting my kid walk off. Oh, me neither. <laughs> walk off that young to school. No, no way, man. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah. So, um, she goes to the. This is the scene where she goes to the cabin, right? Yep. And I love this fucking scene. I love, <laughs> I love this whole scene. The way it's shot. The way it's just the tension of the scene. And this is like the introduction to the tape itself. Yes. And. 
I love when she gets there and the guy, the guy that's uh, running the front desk, he comes up to her and he's like, is this your card? And she's like, no. <laughs> and so he's like, damn. Uh-huh. Uh, that whole scene, like there's like subtle comedic moments sprinkled throughout this film that are like just kind of funny and kind of, I feel like break the tension up a little bit, which is nice. Yeah. I feel like the scene, I feel like this film has a very nice, like subtle, you know, there's not crazy comedic moments, but there are some, a couple of funny moments sprinkled throughout. And I kind of like that about this film. Yeah. They definitely break up the tension quite a bit with, uh, with, with funny stuff like that. So it's, but it's not over the top. It's not like Randy and scream esque. It's like subtle things. They sprinkle it. Noah does it quite a bit. Um, but yeah. and I think they also do it at good times in the, in the movie. Cause you know, I think, and again, not to compare and contrast too much, but I think that's something that the grudge misses is you don't have that tension breakup in there. Cause the grudge is just straight tension from the time it starts to the time it's over. There's no lightheartedness whatsoever. Where I think this movie has that in there, which is something I particularly personally like is that they do break that up and do some mm-hmm. goofy stuff here and there and make you laugh kind of. Cause I think that's something that you have to have. And for me, at least to like a movie is you have to have that dynamic as well. And I think there's small, subtle parts in this movie, like this cabin scene where she's messing with the, uh, the, the guy she's trying to check in or whatever, get information out of that. Uh, they do go back and forth and, and it's pretty, it's pretty comical because you, you can tell she has, she's like, again, she turns it on yeah where he likes her. She's being nice and getting information out of this guy. But you can tell she has no, um, <laughs> interest whatsoever. Yeah. And in, in playing this card game with this guy. So, uh, yeah, I enjoy that. And then, like you said, this is the first introduction to the tape, which uh, is is crazy. The first time you watch that and you see that, it's like, oh, my God, that is freaking creepy. Um, it's Yeah, it's scary. Like, some of the imagery is just, like, burned into my mind forever. Like, the whole <laughs> – there's that whole um, – well, and I want to say first, before we get to the tape part, I love um, – the lighting in this film in this scene particularly because it's like when the sun's going around like going to uh into that tree that's on the hill Mm -hmm. and you just get that red light that just kind of like spills inside the oh it's beautiful like this this film is just a masterpiece like when it comes to cinematography and stuff um but i just love that i love how when she puts it in it doesn't play at first and then all of a sudden you get that iconic like the ring pops up and then some of these images in this fucking tape or just ugh. like the whole <laughs> finger going into the knee like the nail yes ugh, yeah that's the one that gets me is the fingernail i don't like that <laughs> don't like it at all no definitely <laughs> definitely gross definitely cringeworthy but again i think it's uh that's what makes it so great <laughs> for sure and then i like how as soon as she gets done watching it the phone rings and then you hear like the voice on the other end it's like seven days <laughs> also very creepy that's what the mm-hmm. movie does though right so it plays into things tvs vcrs telephones all these things that you're used to using all the time and are never a danger to you are now something that can kill you but again her yeah. voice on the phone is creepy and it plays right into uh what katie and becca were talking about at the beginning that's exactly you watch the tape somebody calls and tells you that you have seven days to live and it, yep. it, it happens and you see something in her eye shift when she, when the tape's over, I think her pupil gets yeah. really small. It's really cool. It's actually yeah. a really cool shot. Cause it's just a really close up shot of her eye. And then they're like, yeah, her pupil just gets small. Mm-hmm. Very it's cool. Really cool. So now you know, she's been impacted by the, the imagery on the tape. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then in this, in this next scene is the scene where Aiden 
walks to school by by himself because it it shows him like or you hear him like i'm going to school and then you just see rachel sitting on the bed with the tape in her hands yep and then you get that one uh shot of him walking down the street and he comes across another guy and that's noah who's who's his dad and it's kind of like a it's kind of a weird introduction to them as but i kind of like it too because it's just very subtle like you don't know who this guy is yet so you're like okay that was weird because they don't even say anything to each other they just stare at each other for like a couple seconds and they just keep walking and i'm like okay right i mean so the the scene starts you got um aiden making his own peanut butter and jelly sandwich uh, rachel's in her room then he's okay i'm going to school he walks out into the rain and then they like you said they stop and they stare at each other but obviously they know who each other are right we don't know that but they do um and yeah, it's just again, it's a really, really great scene where they have this small interaction. They look at each other; it's awkward, and then it makes you, as the viewer, be like, "Well, that was weird." Um, and then he goes up and, and into the apartment with Rachel. So I think they did it very well again. Yeah, yeah, and I like um, I like this next scene because she's kind of telling <laughs> Noah about this tape, and he obviously is not having it. He's like, "This is." mumbo jumbo bs i don't believe it (laughs) this is some ooky spooky shit that i don't that i do not believe in at all and then she's like showing him like all the pictures she took on her camera yeah and like that's when you find out her face is now all distorted and messed up and he's like did you take these with the same camera and she's like yes (laughs) yeah and then um this is when she shows him the tape because she's like i don't know if i want you to watch it and he's like come on just let me watch it well, I mean, so he's, like, he has this, the same reaction that any normal human being would have. It's like, yeah, okay, there's there's not a curse. This tape isn't going to kill anybody. This is absolutely ridiculous. And the banter back and forth between them is pretty good as well, I think, um, <laughs> while they're doing this. Because you can tell he is yeah. not buying in what's – he thinks she's crazy. Yeah, well, and I like – I love the sequence. It's like a small sequence, but I like it when she goes outside on the balcony while he's watching it, and she's just kind of like – peeking into other people's lives because you get that apartment like right across from hers or that apartment complex you see it from across the way and she's just like looking in other windows and you just like see the tvs on another window and it's just like all these people are going about their merry lives not even you know and it's just a very subtle scene but i really like it that's like the how scene that i at this kind of differently right that's the scene i was kind of hinting toward earlier so um Noah's watching the tape and she's out on the balcony and she can see across to the other apartment building, but every apartment that she looks into has something going on. So there's uh, one with, a, I think, a kid eating cereal at the table watching TV while their mom's getting ready for work. There's one where there's an older guy eating in front of the TV in a wheelchair. There's one where there's a guy walking around his apartment and he sits down in front of the TV talking on the phone. So all these people are watching the TV. And again, it, I think it goes back to... Um, something so, which I, I kind of dive into it more later, but something that people take for granted, the ability to leave their apartments, go out into the world and do whatever you want to do. Uh, and they would rather just sit there on the couch and watch TV and stay in their apartments and do all this stuff. Um, whereas later you see that some, this other person is kind of confined to the small space and only has a TV, which I, I think is brilliant when you you probably wouldn't pick up on that until you rewatch the movie. If you if you've, your first watch, that you're not going to get that. But <laughs> yeah, you, that's something you would definitely pick up on on a, on a second or third watch. Is that oh wow, that's that's what this scene is supposed to be uh, communicating? Is that all these people are taking for granted the freedom that they have, and they would they're just sitting there watching TV, whereas 
this other person that you find out later is uh, confined to the space and only has a TV. So to me, I was like, wow, that that's pretty glaring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I like that you brought that up because that's exactly that's exactly what I saw with this scene, too, on, on, you know, more watches, of course. Yeah, you wouldn't pick up on that on the first watch for sure. But once you watch it more, you kind of pick up on these subtle little kind of undertones of things that this movie is hinting at. And I, I find that very interesting. I think this is a very deep film. <laughs> so it's a lot to discuss with this film, I feel like. For sure. But um, this next scene, I think, is the scene where she's making a copy of it, correct? Yes, where she goes. I don't know if that's in, in her building or if she goes to the library or what, but she's definitely making a copy of it. And that's where that freaking, uh, when she's making it, that fly comes off of the screen. She picks the fly off the screen. Oh, no, no, no. That's when she's uh, That's when she's in the one place where she's trying to print off the picture. Oh, you're right. You're right. That's where she finds the lighthouse. So, yeah, you're right. The next scene mm-hmm. is where she makes the copy and there's no numbers on the tape. Yeah, because I think she's at her I think she's at her workplace. I think she's just in one of like the the rooms with a VCR and she's uh, playing it. But then she notices, yeah, the numbers don't there are no like (laughs) the numbers are all fucked up. And so when she brings it to Noah's apartment, they're talking about how like usually there's like a track where they can find where the tape came from. But yeah, it's like an identification track or something. I think is what he calls it like a track ID or something. Yeah, and he's like, and to not have one is like being born without fingerprints. Right. And she's like, so how did this get made? And he's like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, he's like, I have no fucking idea how this thing got made. But then <clears throat> I think, is this the first time that, so I guess I want to ask you, so when you watched this film the first time, did you pick up that they were they were previously married beforehand? Like in their first initial conversation in the apartment, did you pick up on that or did you only pick up on that after like Um, the other girl comes into the apartment? I'll be honest. I watched this so long ago. I don't know if on the first watch I picked up on it, but I can, I definitely, you know, even now watching it being older, I can tell, you can tell that there's something going on between them in their first interaction. Um, or even when they're flirting while, cause she makes the copy, takes it to Noah to look at so he can try to identify where it came from. And like, while they're like, like, cause I think they're doing something with their slowing down the track or something. They're trying to stretch the alignment cause she can see something yeah. on like the, in the corner of the track and she's like, and they're both fighting over it and he's like, stop, you can't. And then it like, you know, blacks out and then they kind of have that moment where they're staring at each other. Yeah, and so you, I mean, you can definitely gather from that that there was something previously going on with them, probably. But then the intern or whoever his he calls her his partner or whatever walks in, and uh, Rachel immediately you can tell she's pissed. So it's like okay, <laughs> like that. There's definitely something going. Then they have the altercation out in the hallway when she storms out and doesn't leave the tape. Um, so yeah, and I think you gather that. I don't know that it's it's supposed to be subtle for sure. Um, but I think when they reveal who Noah is later, I think they do a great job of uh, that. Cause I like that scene a lot too with Noah and Aiden, when you find out that Noah is Aiden's dad. Yeah. And I, I really, I really enjoy how they don't like, they subtly point things out to you. And that's, that's why I wanted to ask you that question. If you picked up on whether or not you thought they were a couple or used to be a couple at the beginning, because, um, and like I said, it's been so long since I watched this the first time too, but I don't think, if I had watched this for the first time, I don't think I would have picked that up on the initial first watch of that scene, just because, I mean, they do have some back and forth. They have some banter, but it seems almost like they're introduced as like friends or colleagues or something like that. Like I didn't get, I don't get that they're like together from that first scene. So like when you get that second scene where that woman comes in after they're, you know, talking about the tape, 
you kind of get more of like a backstory, but it's told to you in a very subtle way. So it's like, I like how they don't just spell shit out for you. I talk about that a lot on this podcast because I like things to be kind of subtly um, spelled out for me instead of just like in your face, like, okay, this is what's happening. Here's some exposition, blah, 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 blah. I like movies that kind of take this approach where it's just very subtle and you kind of just learn little things about each character as it goes on. So like, I like this whole scene with when the, I'm pretty sure it's his girlfriend. I feel like he's dating this girl. Oh, he for for sure. I think she lives there with him, honestly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I love how you can tell like Rachel's like, Oh my God. Like you can (laughs) tell she's immediately like fucking pissed. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, uh, actually we were just looking at this tape and she like snatches it up and like walks out and he's like, what? And she's like, I don't want her to watch it. And he's right. like, you had no problem with me watching it. And she's like, I did have a problem, which is true. She initially told him she didn't want him to watch it, which is fair. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Oh, and we missed something. We missed something in that scene after Noah watches the, after Noah watches the tape, the phone starts ringing and she doesn't answer it. Right. And this is like one thing that has always fucking bothered me about this film because I want to know what that message was on the answering machine because she goes up to the answering machine and it looks like she's going to play it and then she hits delete. And I'm like, oh, it uh, messes with my OCD every fucking time I watch this movie. I was like, I want to know what it says. All, all it says is seven days to see, you know. Or maybe it's just like, um, Noah, you are... <laughs> You are uh, your payment for the pornographic uh, film that you watched in the hotel last week, uh, dude. Maybe, maybe that's owe- what it was. Maybe she's just a bill collector at the end of the day. Hmm. Maybe I don't know, but anyway, yeah, I like this whole argument scene that they kind of have outside the elevator when she's like, because she talks about how you know she's like, and I storm off all pissed off, kicking myself for ever thinking that you could just grow up because uh-huh. you can tell that like they definitely something happened oh for sure they've been fighting for a long time it seems like it's probably one of those couples that just can't get along but when you see the way she is with her career and stuff it makes sense because he's like total opposite and you get that vibe from seeing where she lives in comparison to where he lives his thing is like in a big studio apartment it's all uh kind of cluttered and messy and she's very neat and clean so it makes sense i mean you can definitely tell that they're they're probably not a great match yeah, and he just like wears flip flops and shit. He's just like whatever, very casual. <laughs> She's just all like all dressed up all the time. Um, but I love the the thing I love about this film as well is the imagery that they show throughout this film. Like because this is the scene where she walks out of his apartment and she's walking down the alley and she sees the big ladder that's leaned up right. against the. I love that. I love how they just show all these subtle images of from this tape like throughout this film, and I oh, it's beautiful. Absolutely. Then she goes to touch it and the painter guy tells her he didn't want her to get any bad luck. (laughs) You don't need that (laughs) in your life. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. And then, um, uh, I think this is the scene that you were talking about, uh, where she goes to the place to print off the picture because she, she sees that there's, um, something in the frame. So she goes to this one place and I love how the lady's like, so what are we watching? And she's like, Oh, I'd really rather watch it by myself. And she's like, and then she's like, really? And the girl's like, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) She gets all like pissy and defensive about it. It's hilarious. Well, she asked her if it's a home movie. She's like, what are we watching a home movie? And that's when she's like, I'd rather, I'd really rather watch it by myself. And she's still storm. So she probably thought she was watching a dirty movie. She made at home, (laughs) but yeah, you're right. This is the scene I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Cause she's like, she's trying to stretch the alignment and then, she sees that there's like a lighthouse in the corner. Right. And then the the screen goes dark and she's like, oh shit. So she prints off the picture 
And this is the scene where you were talking about where she sees the fly in the corner of the, yes. the screen and it's like twitching and she goes to grab it and she actually pulls it off the freaking screen, which is actually pretty cool. I thought so. Okay. And it also play, it shows you at this point that things can come through the tape, which obviously later happens, but the things can come through the tape through the screen, which I thought was really cool. It's a very subtle foreshadowing, I think. Yeah, oh, for sure. For Again, something you wouldn't pick up on until second or third watch, for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially when you get that fucking scene at the end, which is just, uh, I'm excited to talk about that scene. But uh, yeah, I like, I like the subtle foreshadowing of that because it kind of, you know, forecasts something to come. So, um, but I like how she also gets a bloody, she starts getting a bloody nose. Right. And the girl's like, um, you've got something. And she's like, what? And she's like, you're, and she's like, oh, <laughs> and then she just like takes the picture and walks off and, and then leaves. it shows her. Yeah, and then it shows her in the library, like studying all these books on lighthouses. And the librarian fucking comes up to her with like a stack of books, and he's like, "This is all I could find." <laughs> yeah, so he's probably thinking to himself, "He's like, damn, like she's very invested in lighthouses all, for some reason." Probably. I mean, wouldn't you be though if you found uh, if you found that on your tape there? Probably, but on from his perspective, he's like, "Damn, this girl's really uh, obsessed with lighthouses." <laughs> So I brought her like 15 books already from the library. This also, again, shows, not to beat a dead horse, but it also shows, again, how great she is at her job because this is probably what she does on the regular and she's able to do all this, find all this information. She knows what resources to do. So again, it really plays into that character um, from for this movie and why most people wouldn't be able to figure all this out, right? So it makes sense that she's able to. This is the nightmare sequence coming up, right? Yeah, this is where she's um she sees I think this is where she sees Aiden uh or she, I don't can't tell if it's a dream or what but you see her walk down her hallway to check on Aiden and she opens the door and it's Samara sitting in a chair in a pool of water. Mm-hmm. Um and I can't remember if she turns I forget exactly how it is, but she ends up uh Rachel ends up waking up in bed and I think that's when she notices that Samara had touched her, right? She's got the yeah yeah but then she also hears the tape playing yeah because like because at first like when this whole dream sequence starts she's um talking on the phone with ruthie which is katie's mom yeah and she's like telling her that she needs her to watch aiden for a few days yep and she's like oh rachel i don't know and then she and then you kind of hear like the subtle when she's like is this about katie because she starts coughing like she starts coughing and this oh i hate the scene because i hate like when I get hair in my mouth, it makes me want to gag. So uh-huh. like watching the scene makes me just want to gag so bad because she starts pulling like this like string. Yeah, out of, her mouth. out of her mouth. Yeah. And she's like, I think she does a really great job in this film, like in this scene too. Like when she's just like, <laughs> oh, it's horrible. <laughs> like it looks so, yeah, it looks so gross. And then you realize that it's one of those things that you put on like patients, like the little, uh, yeah, what yeah, are those yeah. Called? to get your heartbeat. I've, I don't know what they're called either, but, um, Oh, it's so gross when she's pulling it out of her mouth. Because at first it kind of looks like hair. Yeah, that's what I initially thought it was, but she was pulling out like a big strand of hair, and I'm like, oh, I hate it when I get hair in my mouth. It's the grossest thing. Um, but then, yeah, that's when you get the scene where she walks into Aiden's room, and she's sitting in the middle of the floor, and I think she, all she does is walks up to her, like, next to her, and she grabs her arm. That's what it is, yep. Yeah, and then she, uh, well, and then you get those subtle, like, flashes where you see Rachel, like, sitting in, like, an empty room, like, on a chair. Yeah. And it's kind of, like, foreshadowing another part of the film that you see later on. But, yeah, this is the, this is one of the big scenes where you find out that Aiden has now watched the tape. Yes, the copy of the tape. 
Because mm-hmm. Rachel grabs it out of the VCR and throws it under the couch um, and freaks out. But it's also, not only do you realize that Aiden has watched the tape and now he has seven days, uh, Noah calls because he was at a supermarket buying cigarettes and he notices that his face is all uh, distorted on the camera. So mm-hmm. I, I think he went and got a camera or whatever, but took pictures of himself and on his own camera, all of his pictures, all of his faces are distorted. So he calls right after, uh, miraculously, right after Aiden watches the tape, uh, Noah's calling because uh, Rachel thinks that it's Samara calling to say seven days, but really when she picks up the phone, it's uh, Noah, and that's when you find out because she tells him that their son had watched the tape. So that's when you find out that Aiden is Noah and Rachel's son. Yeah, well, and I I love that whole scene in the, the fucking convenience store too because I just love when she's like, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> she just says it like so straightforward and he's like, uh, okay. And she's like, my cousin smoked uh, eight packs or whatever she says, took uh, took the patch, never looked back. And he's like, thanks, I'll uh, take that into consideration. And she's just like, have a nice day. Yeah. Like, she's just so like fucking <laughs> dead face the entire time. I love that. That's another one of those very subtle comedic moments that I just think like, so great in this film yeah absolutely but then um i like this next scene coming up because this is a scene where um rachel drops aiden off at katie's house and you get that whole scene with him and his dad in the car and this is when you find out that well you find out because she says on the phone because he's like who watched it or who and she's like our son Mm -hmm. so then that's when you find out holy shit they have a kid together and then um i like i just really really like the scene with the the dad and the son um just because it's so and i talk about it a lot when i did the ringu episode with podcast and elm street we talked about this scene quite thoroughly uh we just kind of talked about how like in this scene he doesn't i noah's character doesn't quite know what to do with his life or like what he wants to do with his life and in this scene like you can see something switch in him where he realizes like maybe maybe i do want to be a father maybe i do want to you know, do all this stuff. Cause he talks about how like he was afraid of, he wouldn't be a good father and blah, 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 blah. So that's like why he left. And, you know, and then you realize like once he's talked to, once he's talking to Aiden, you realize, I think that he realizes in his mind at that moment where he's like, I think maybe I need to turn my life around. You well, know, I think, it, I think he also says that he doesn't know if he wants, he, he didn't want to be a dad cause he thought he wouldn't be good at it. Cause his own dad was sucked so bad. But he also makes the comment that he doesn't want anybody else to do it. So I think that, yeah, you, I mean, you see that whole thing kind of transpire right there and that kind of flip of a switch on his part. But I also wonder if it's because him and Rachel just do not get along whatsoever. I could also see that being part of the, the issue there as well. Yeah. Well, I, I, I see it from, like, the point of view is, like, he just isn't – because she talks about how, like, in that – prior scene where she talks about him like not being able to grow up i think it's just him you know and you see it like throughout this whole movie like at the beginning like what his character is like he's very lazy well he's not lazy but like he's just very laid back he doesn't really mm-hmm. care about anything the way he dresses he's just kind of a slob a little bit this is the complete <laughs> opposite of her right she's very well put together and serious and career driven and he's just kind of laid back so it, i mean I don't know. I, I also wonder how old they're supposed to be in this. Cause I don't know if that's ever really said. Yeah, I don't think it is, but I think, you know, aside from 
them not getting along with each other. I think a lot of it was just more on his end. I think it was, he decided that he didn't want this relationship. He decided he didn't want this kid. Mm -hmm. So to me, it seems like he just walked out on this like family dynamic and he didn't want to be a part of it. And now in this scene, I think he's realizing that, you know, fuck, maybe I do need to, (laughs) maybe I do need to reevaluate my priorities here. And I kind of like that like little switch. You can see it very subtly because then after this, he's very, you know, invested with you know figuring this whole thing out and helping rachel and you see him as more of a proactive character after this scene i feel like so. yeah i think so uh, it's unfortunate that it had to be because he was going to die for him to really get kicked <laughs> into gear but uh so i wonder if his uh motives were were uh, selfish or not because now you know he also has watched the tape so uh the other thing about this scene that i really like is that it's the first time you see aiden call Rachel mom instead of Rachel and I he says it to Noah he says mom um and you can that's just him being protective of her which he's been the whole movie so I just think it really plays in his character which I I really enjoyed that scene yeah I like it a lot and then um and the next scene is where Rachel gets on the ferry to go to the island and uh yeah, the whole do you do you I want to I wanted to ask your opinion on this. Do you like this whole scene with the horse with the whole like cuz we kind of talked about it on the podcast on Elm Street episode. We kind of talked about how the scene was kind of I don't know. It mm-hmm. didn't really need to be there. <laughs> I like it because it's part of the tape. You see the tape, there's a few different things. You see the horses on the tape. You find out later that the horses really played into what was going on because of the reason that Samara kills or what for because what happens to the horses and we'll get to that um mm-hmm. but i do like this scene for one reason i really like it is because when after um rachel watches the tape you see her pupils get small right which to me means that samara has embedded herself in rachel and when she's on this ferry this horse basically senses samara in rachel that's what i think yeah. you're supposed to get out of that but i also feel like it's samara being in rachel fucking with that horse I think Samara yeah. did that to that horse because she hates horses. So I think it's not so much the horse is afraid of Samara as much as it is Samara making that horse go crazy like she did at the ranch um, and making all that happen. So I actually do like that scene. I think it plays into the movie very well, and it also goes off of the tape. And um, this adds another dynamic of how powerful Samara is in Basically, what she's doing to that horse is what she's doing to people. She's imprinting those visions, those... Um, those pictures in their brain making them go crazy and i think you really you really see that in that scene so it's i mean it's a hard scene to watch honestly especially once the freaking horse jumps off the side and it doesn't (laughs) even make a clean jump over the side it hits its back legs and flips over the boat so it's yeah i don't know it's 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 a hard one to watch yeah for all you animal lovers out there it might be a little triggering for you (laughs) especially people that love horses yeah kind of a triggering scene because then you then you get the shot of it like obviously going underneath the boat and then they run to the other side and then you see the blood just kind of yeah seep out from under the boat because it basically got destroyed in the propellers i'm assuming which is on the Um, tape too you see that on the tape mm -hmm. so yeah no i like that scene i don't have any issues with it yeah i i mean i don't i don't really have many issues with it either i i don't remember exactly if i hated that scene when i talked about it in podcast on elm street but i i don't hate it i just i think if if you didn't have that scene in it, I think it would be fine, but I, I do understand why it's there. So, I mean, I don't, I don't mind it. 
but it's not my favorite scene. I also <laughs> think it's neat because a horse is not generally an animal that you're afraid of, and she is like terrified of it in this moment. And you really, uh, you see an animal again that's not generally an aggressive animal become aggressive. So I think it plays again. It, it's I think the whole thing comes around full circle once you know what's going, what happened, and what's going on. Oh, for sure. Um, and then I like this whole, just this whole scene where she's talking to the doctor because she goes to that doctor's house and she's talking to her about you know um you get more of a backstory on who this uh we haven't even talked about her yet uh anna morgan the one that's on the tape the one that's like combing her hair in the in the tape you find out more about her in the scene you kind of get it more in like little research parts when rachel's like looking her up and stuff and it's talking about how she kind of like went crazy and the horses on the ranch started dying and all this crazy shit started happening. So then when she goes to talk to the doctor, the doctor kind of explains it more. And she talks about how they wanted a daughter and, you know, stuff started happening as soon as they got Samara. Like she's like, everything that happened happened because of her. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's, uh, and again, this is a doctor that had lived on that Island forever. Um, and I think the scene there's really good too, because her grandson is there. And, um, I forget what she says. She said he wasn't born right, I think is what she says. Um, yeah. And she also says that they've had their share of something on the island. I forget exactly what she says, but basically hinting toward that they've had bad times. So they knew bad times, but when Samara showed up on the island, it was really bad. Uh, you also find out in that scene, I think, is that um, the um, the Morgans couldn't have children i think is what she tells her and that they went away one weekend or one week and they came back and they had samara and nobody really knew how or why that had happened but uh all these series of unfortunate events happened afterward and they stopped once samara you know had disappeared but the that doctor which is uh anna morgan's doctor samara's mom she thought samara was still alive at the um, mental hospital. hospital. Yeah. Right. Cause I think she asked what happened to her and she's like, I'd assume she's still at the, at the hospital, which I think is off the Island. Cause that's where Noah goes. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I, I like how, uh, yeah, I like that scene when she's, when she says, uh, when you catch a cold, it's everybody's cold. And she's like, uh, excuse me, but what the hell does that mean? And she's like, it means that ever since that girl's been gone, things around here have been better. Like, right. Just like how, she, I like that whole scene because you get more of like a backstory of what happened and you kind of just start piecing things together and you're like, okay, I'm starting to understand more about what's going on here. Right. Exactly. And then you get that scene where Noah's at the, at the psychiatric hospital trying to get in and there. <laughs> he's like, I've been up there before. Cause they're like, you have to be a family member. And he's like, oh, it's okay. I've been up there. And they're like, uh, record rooms are downstairs guy. And he's like, Oh, thanks. Yeah. And it shows him like breaking into the fucking room. He's like jerk off. <laughs> uh, yeah. I get another, uh, another little comedy break in there. Um, which I think, I think it's a good scene as well. Yeah. And then, um, this is when you get the scene with Rachel showing up at the farm at the Morgan farm mm -hmm. and you get that one part where she's like looking up at the house and she realizes that the, the drawing that Aiden had, drawn her previously before she left the one he was drawing in the car when he was talking to noah is that same house because they're standing in front of it and right you get like the shot of the house and yeah it's just cool all these little subtle like you know kind of imagery things that harken back to like this tape but it's not i don't feel like they do it in like an in your face type of way i feel right that it's very 
subtle, very necessary to kind of, you know, I don't know. I like it. Cause I feel like a lot of, a lot of films do that kind of thing, but it's like very, it's more in your face than subtle. They don't let you feel like you're figuring things out as the characters. Cause in this movie, you figure the stuff out as Rachel figures it out and you see what she's seeing. You you kind of feel what she's feeling. I think a lot of movies when maybe they don't believe in the actors or the writing that they would just um, kind of spell it out for you. I don't feel like this movie does that. It's, it's again, there's things you pick up on after two, three, four watches sometimes that you didn't pick up on. And that, that scene is really good when she first shows up there and you see how run down this, this, this rant, his horse farm is, and like the house is all beat up. And even the first time she meets, uh, Samara's dad, um, Mr. Morgan, he, uh, <laughs> Richard Morgan is his name, I think, but he's like telling her how much work there is to do at this place. The work never ends. And like, you look at this place and you're like, what? You don't have horses anymore. And like the place is a shithole. So like, what, are, what have you been doing? That's so, uh, you know, keeping you so busy. Right. So it's, it's just funny. This, the dynamic you get between those two when she first meets him. Yeah. And it's an interesting dynamic because, um, she talks about how like she wants to talk about the horses and stuff like that. And, uh, they go in the house and she brings up the tape because she's like, well, then she goes in that room and you see the mirror sitting there. Right. And you realize, Oh, okay. That's cool. Well, he brings up, uh, she brings up Anna. Cause at first he's like, what do you want to know about the horses, uh, horse farming in general? Or when, when they go strange, I think is what he says. And they're talking and she's like, Oh, it must've been hard on both of you. And he, that's when he, it kind of clicks for him. He's like, okay, she's not here to talk about the horses. Mm-hmm. And that's when she starts questioning him about where their daughter is. He tells her he doesn't have a daughter. Um, and it gets real ton of tension in this scene. I think like they're like face to face at one point, And then he walks by her and walks her out the front door. He gets real aggressive. He's like, he's like, you know what? I think I've got a lot of work to do. And he slams his like gloves down on the table. And then he, he delivers that one line where he's like, what is it with you people? You uh, take one person's tragedy and force the world to experience it, spread it like sickness. Like, so he's basically kind of hinting at this tape in a sense, like ta- hinting at this tape is like spreading around yeah. like a fucking disease. And I don't know. I, I like this. There's just so many good solid scenes in this film. I don't think there's a single scene that I don't like from this film. It's just all so good. And he does a really good job in this film too. Like the small role that he has, he's great in it. Yeah. Brian Cox is a great actor. Uh, and the thing, the, the, a large part of the tension in this scene is cause he has that, uh, boot cleaner where he's the mud scraper from his boots. Cause he cleans all the mud off his boots. And he's like holding it the whole time. And that's what he slams down before he makes her leave. Uh, but I do like the, that, discussion they have where they're talking about uh you, you just i'm not gonna go over it again you just said it but um yeah it does refer to the tape or it could be about the tape but it's also about reporters so it's telling you that she's not the first one that's came there investigating this and it's been happening before and yeah honestly that's kind of the mentality i have toward the media and reporters anymore because i feel like that is if you watch the news it's all negative that's all they do they take one person's tragedy and force everybody else to live it for their own greed really and that's kind of what he's hinting at in that scene which i thought was great yeah and um i kind of we kind of briefly talked about that in the jennifer's body episode that i did with two chicks and a horror flick because it kind of follows that same kind of um example of you know what happens when you know there's there's tons of things that happen every day but you know 
when something like this happens, it's big news for God knows how long. And everybody's just so obsessed with like learning all the gory details about it. And it's just, you know, I'm a, I'm a true crime person myself. I, I, I'm fascinated by it, but I think sometimes there is a line that gets crossed, especially with the media because they don't know, (laughs) they don't know boundaries. Right. So it gets to a point where it's like, okay, like, this is getting starting to get really ridiculous and really unprofessional and just really just grimy and disgusting. Well, I think initially it was their job to report the truth to people and find out, you know, well, not the truth. That's, that's incorrect. I shouldn't have said that. It is their job to report the facts to people and let people make their own decisions based on the facts. Whereas what you see now is people take what they perceive to be the truth. And that is what they are um, reporting on and and sending out into the world. And so then you have uneducated people that take that as truth. In fact, and they run with it versus, Hey, here's what we know. Make your own decisions. Let's, let's educate the population instead of trying to force a narrative down their throat on what we believe is correct versus what these other people believe is correct. And that's what bothers me is I want, give me the facts, give me the details. I mean, they, they may not even be the facts. I'm probably saying that incorrectly. Give me the <laughs> details of what we know and let me populate my own opinion. Don't give me your opinion because I don't want your opinion. Exactly. So yeah. I think that's, that's, I don't know how the hell we got on that, but that is <laughs> spot on with what he says, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's a really scary thing because the media has such like a hold over people. Like it really has a way of manipulating people and making them think that like, this is Bible. And it's right. like, no, like know your facts before you start listening to what somebody else, you know, what Joe Blow at fucking NBC or, you know, whoever starts saying like, it's just like, you can't believe it. What anybody says anymore. It's kind of a scary thing. Well, but it's crazy. I Cause like, you turn on CNN and they're telling you one thing. Fox is telling you something else. You're on CBS. They're saying something else. And then it's like, and it's yeah. not even remotely close to the same thing. Right. It's so vastly different that it's like, why? So I don't watch any of it. Honestly, it's just like, it's too much. <laughs> yeah yeah it's too much of a negative it is <laughs> too much of a negative uh aura for me to have to sit there it really brings my day my mood down so i i don't watch the news i'm with I, you I rarely watch it so and people are always like didn't you watch that i'm like i don't fucking watch the news so nope. you're asking the wrong person same here <laughs> i don't even look i don't even get on there to see what the weather's gonna be i got the weather channel app that's all i need exactly um but then i really i really love this next scene because this is the scene where uh, Rachel goes back to the farm, right? Um, yes, I think. Or am I skipping ahead? Well, first, I, she walks out and she sees the barn and she remembers Aiden telling her that uh, she doesn't like the barn. The horses keep her up at night, I believe. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a scene where Rachel's watching Samara's tape at the Morgans with the lighthouse in the background. And there's like a music box. That's when she comes back to the house. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like there's a scene with Noah too because he's like in the... Well, he ends up there. So he he's there and he is... Um, he talks to... Because he, he wants to watch <laughs> Samara's tapes. And he goes to get the tape and it's missing. And he lies and says that he's Richard Morgan. And the guy knows he's lying, but he's... Anyway, he opens the tape box and Samara's tapes where they recorded her inter- being interviewed are gone. And um, 
he's like, well, who was the last person to check it out? And he's like, huh, it was you. But really, it was. He, so we know that uh, Samara's dad, Richard Morgan, has the actual footage of Samara being interviewed and whatnot. Yeah, and I, I, just another brilliant comedic moment because he, they're like just chatting back and forth and they're like, what's your secret? And he's like, diet and exercise, man. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just love that moment when he's like, He's like, I'm the only one that um, whatever lets people check this shit out around here or something like yeah. that. And he's like, I'm responsible for everything that comes in and out of here. So, and then he like opens it up and he's like, oh, now I'm mad. <laughs> and he's like, well, do you know who, who was the last person to watch? He's like, yeah, it was you. Uh-huh. I just love it. So great. Because then he hauls ass out of there and he's like trying to call Rachel, but he can't get a hold of her. Oh, and you get that beautiful shot of him like standing at the back of the ferry with the lighthouse in the background, like where the light. Oh, it's so pretty looking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is when Rachel goes back to the house and she goes inside and she starts watching the tape and it's like the tape of Samara and she's being interviewed by like someone at the hospital. And there's like, she's like, can I see my mommy? And they're like, not until you answer some questions. And she's like, I love my mommy. <laughs> Yeah, she's very, very creepy on this tape. Yeah, and then she's like, your dad loves you too. And she's like, daddy loves the horses. Like, (laughs) you can definitely tell that she knows that the dad does not like her. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love that shot when you see him standing behind Rachel because it's like, oh, fuck. Because she's sitting (laughs) on the floor watching that tape. And behind her, Uh you can see the light from the lighthouse. And it swirls in and out, and then yeah, you get this like piano box music playing in the background, and then he's just behind her. And well, it's and like, I love that oh, because it's shit. like not accompanied by any music or anything like that. It's just very subtle, and you're like, oh shit, he's there. <laughs> um, but then he like comes up behind her, and what does he do? Hit her over the head with the cords that he has in his hand? Uh, yeah, I think so. He smacks he her with something. Her. Yeah, because then he like walks What's... upstairs. It's like, oh god, this next scene's rough. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh she's asking him, like, because then in her mind, she thinks that he killed her. Like he thinks that he did something to Samara because she's like, What did you do to her? And he's like, My wife was not supposed to have a child. Right. Um, and then she goes into the bathroom, and then this is like, uh, I remember watching this scene as a little kid. I was like, Oh, when that whole <laughs> thing happened, it was like it was probably the scariest part of the movie for me, to be honest with you. Oh really? I thought I just think it's like way the over the top. Parts, yeah. It's like, why is he doing all this? Like, he, you know, he's like got the tub full of water. He's got all the electronics in the tub. He puts the horse, the metal horse thing, in his mouth, and then he flips the freaking uh, the extension cord thing on and just lights himself up. It's like, holy cow! But then, like, I'm watching her, and she like steps in the water, and then like backs out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, don't get in the water, don't get in the water, don't get in the water. And then he like fries himself miraculously Ugh. just as Noah shows up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he also says um, something about, or she's like, if I don't figure out what's going on, my son's going to die. And he's like, oh yes, he will. And then he basically says she never sleeps. And then that's yes. when he flips the switch. And I don't know, as a little kid, this scene was like traumatic for me because like, I obviously hadn't seen a lot of people die on film before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like 10 years old when this film came out, maybe eight or nine. Actually, it's pretty fucking young when this film came out. But um, yeah, this scene was dramatic for me at first. When I first watched it, I was like, oh, I didn't like that. But yeah, uh, super over the top. This might be actually where she remembers Aiden saying that uh, she doesn't like the barns. The horses mm-hmm. keep her up at night. And that's when a, uh, Noah and Rachel break into the barn. 
Yeah, yeah. And then they they see the ladder that's leading up to the little, there's like a little... Um, Hayloft. A loft, yeah. And they go up there. Because I think Rachel in this moment, she thinks that she's still up there. Yes. Like she's like, so she goes up there, you know, probably thinking that she's going to find Samara, but she doesn't find anything. But she finds like the chair sitting in the middle of the room with the TV. Yes. And then they're, they walk up to the wallpaper and they start peeling the wallpaper off. And you find out that that like tree that's in the beginning when she's at the cabin is like burned into the wood of the, of the, um, of the barn. So, yeah, exactly. Like when they walk in, you see the ladders going all the way up to this humongous, it's huge freaking ladder going for this hayloft, which you see on the, yeah. the tape. Um, and once they get up there, this hayloft creeps me the fuck out. It's like a little girl's room with a bed, a box TV, in a chair sitting in front of the TV. And that was it. I think Noah makes a comment about, cause Rachel says, Oh my God, they put her up here all alone. And he was like, she wasn't alone. And that's when he dusts the TV off. Um, yeah. And, and something that I realized on like most previous watch that I guess I didn't pick up on before was, you know, in the, in the tape, when the ladder falls to the ground, mm-hmm. I think that's indicating that that's, that's how they kept her up there. Right. Would take the ladder. So she couldn't climb down. I don't know why I never realized that before, but like the symbolism, I started like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's the, yeah. I think they had her go up and then they would take the ladder or he would take the ladder down so she couldn't get down. Um, so again, this kind of good for me goes back to that balcony scene we were talking about earlier where Rachel's standing out on that balcony, watching all these people that are are perfectly free to go on with their day and do whatever they want, but they're sitting around watching TV. Whereas Samara just wanted out of that barn and they made her sit up there and that's all she had was a TV to watch. Um, the yeah. other thing, and which is why I really like that horse scene, is because she doesn't like the barn the horse keep her up at night. Well, she, again, able to imprint things on people, on objects. She That's why she made the horses so sick. It's a, because Richard Morgan, her dad, liked the horses more than her, obviously. But two, because they kept her up at night and she was trapped in there and couldn't get out, likely the, the horses had more freedom than she did. And yeah. that's why she the horses got sick is was because of her, but she was making the horses get sick because of that. So I really like that point also. Yeah. And then you get that, uh, as soon as the scene's over, you get that, um, that, uh, word that text on the screen that says day seven. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, and then you're like, Oh shit, she's, uh, it's her last day. So then they're going back to the cabin that she watched the tape in originally. And I, I love the, I love this scene because, I feel like I'm starting to sound like a broken record because I feel like I'm saying that about every scene in this film, but I really do love this scene because you realize that, you know, and this is kind of creepy because then you realize that like this cabin is literally sitting on top of the well <laughs> that right. Samara is in the whole time because they're in there and um, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, Noah kind of has this like moment where he's like, because she's like, you need to take care of Aiden. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're not like, you're not going anywhere. And she's like, I don't have, like, we're running out of time. Like, I don't know what to do. And he starts like throwing shit around. And then he knocks like a, a, a I think it's like a glass vase of marbles yep. onto the floor. And then you see the marbles all kind of just like center into the middle of this room, like on that rug that's right by the TV. And so like they pull the rug off and start like, you know, what is it? He takes an ax, right? Yeah. Starts like axing into the wood and then you find the well down there, which is really cool. So they built the well, the cabin over the well. Yeah. And they knew to go to that cat back to that cabin because of the tree on the wall. Correct. They, she realized mm-hmm. that tree was outside of that cabin. Um, yep. 
And as they're doing this, as he's ripping the floor up, you can see outside the screen, they start using like these red lights, red lighting, because you can see that the sun is shining through that tree and into the cabin, which I also thought was cool. Yeah, and you and that also like indicates the time that she watched the tape too. So you're like, oh fuck, she's running out of time. She doesn't have much time left. They better figure yep. their shit out. And I, I think the scene is like the perfect example of tension building because mm-hmm. you get the whole scene where they're investigating the well and she drops like something down there and you barely hear it hit the bottom. Like it's so down, it's down there so deep that it's like holy crap. And then while they're looking, you kind of start seeing like screws and stuff. Yeah, it looks like water. Water is like pushing the nails out of the floorboards, and you see them start to come up out of the floor, which to me says the water is, you know, rising. So something's coming out of this well, right? Well, first when they pull the cover off, don't the flies come out? Not yet, not yet, because because in this entire scene when they're um when they're investigating this well, that's when like all the bolts and stuff are starting to come up, and you see the TV kind of like flashing on. Uh, Okay, and then she then she drops. She drops the rock down there and then you hear something. She's like, what is that? Cause you can hear it coming up. That's right. And then all of a sudden that's when they all fly up and then the TV comes loose. Cause the floor falls over, like falls in and the TV, and the knocks, TV knocks Rachel down the well. And you're like, Oh fuck, she's dead. Like I initially thought that she was dead. Like I was like, there's no way she's still alive after that. She like, fell the straight way she... down. She's probably she was probably fine. No, she hit the wall. Like when she first <laughs> falls, she hits the wall and then <laughs> bounces off of it. Uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then you get that shot of her like under the water, and she wakes up, and yeah. she's in the bottom of this well, and uh, the water's not very deep in this well. I don't think because she it's can not. Stand. Yeah, she can stand in it. You also during this part is where uh, Noah starts freaking out, and he runs and gets the uh, water hose. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because she's like, I'm still here, I'm alive, whatever. And yeah, yeah he, he tries to go get her the water hose, and uh, <laughs> he's, like, running, and he, like, it catches, because, it like, he runs out of rope, and he uh-huh. just falls. That's so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. But, yeah, so she's down there in the well. She wakes up, tells him that she's uh, she's fine. He goes to get that, and I think while he, in between her telling him she's fine and him going to get that, that's when she has that... Uh, revelation that Samara was is in the well right with her mm-hmm. well because she well first she uh finds like the nail there's like fucking fingernails yes embedded in the the wall of the well and you can see all these scratch marks and then it like cuts back to that ooh, the one shot of the nail <laughs> the finger going through the nail mm-hmm. and um and then the well starts closing like she sees the lid of the well start closing above her and um then she has that flashback she has that flashback to uh, uh, Anna Morgan and Samara because you see that like f- the field with the tree and you see like you hear Samara singing by the well and her mom comes up behind her. And I think there's a more violent way that this scene goes. Um, I believe like she puts the she puts the plastic bag over her head, but then I think she takes a rock and actually bashes her in the side of the head with it, too. Yeah, it, sh- it doesn't show that in like the the version that I have. I don't think they had they cut it out. I don't think there is a version available of that. Is there? Um, probably in the deleted scenes, maybe I know okay. I've seen it before. Like I've actually seen it, but I don't know. Yeah. The where. standard version doesn't have it. They thought it was too violent and it may have ruined their PG 13 rating. If I remember correctly, it had something to do with it. Cause the movie is rated PG 13. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, she just puts the bag over her head and, and like kind of suffocates her and throws her down in the well, which we know she didn't die. 
She was supposed to yeah. have died. She didn't die. So she, that's what she, Samara sees the well cover closing, which is where the ring comes from, is that yep. she sees the ring of light around the well cover, uh, which Rachel sees um, before she has that uh, vision of what happened to Samara. But the the scratches in the wall and stuff down there from where you can see where she, she like tried to claw her way out of it. And yeah, it's just, it's rough. It's but awful. I yeah. think that's when she kind of, the body floats up and Rachel's holding the actual Samara because you can see her black hair and she's like in that dress and she's like, it looks like a little girl. And then it yeah. slowly fades away into like the skeleton Samara of the dead, the dead girl. Yeah. And I, I like the way they do that. Um, I like the way it's just kind of like her face kind of starts to rot away and then you just get like the skeleton instead. And then after that, it cuts to them sitting outside. And then this is when you realize, because he asked the question, he's like, how long could somebody stay down there? And she's like, you could survive for seven days. And that's where like the whole, you know, seven, you will die in seven days. Things, things, hmm. I'm going to start that over. I can't talk today. I'm tongue tied. Sorry, Josh. Tongue tied. Yeah. Um, and that's where you get like the whole you're going to die in seven days thing is from, you know, she and it's awful to think that she lived down there for that long, like for a whole week. She lived in that well and it's awful. And finally succumb to starvation is how she dies. Yes. But isn't that crazy? That's so basically you have seven days to live after watching the tape. She lived for seven days in this well before starving to death. So basically she mm-hmm. tortures you for seven days because she was tortured for seven days, which I, again, I think it's brilliant. Oh yeah. Same. Um, and then, so you think like it's all over, like it's all nice. Like, and you get this scene where um, they go to pick Aiden up at Katie's house and Aiden's like laying in the back seat, and he opens his eyes and you can see like Noah and uh, Rachel holding hands. And, this is like a sweet, tender moment because you're like, oh, they solved the mystery. It's all good. You know, it's oh, family. The family's back together again, you know. And then uh, the next day is when uh, she goes into eight or like she's sleeping with Aiden. Right. And they they're talking about how because uh, he's like, what happened to the girl? And she's like, we set her free. And then Aiden's like, why would you do that? Oh, that scene is so great because they like wake up and they're like, oh, it's like this beautiful scene. And he's like, why aren't you at work? And she was like, oh, I'm not working today. So you see this full change in Rachel where she's like prioritizing things correctly as she should now. And then um, he's like, what happened to the girl? And she's like, oh, Samara. And he's like, oh, is that her name? Like, so he didn't even know what her name yeah. was, right? And just the look on his face when she tells him that they that she's free, they got her out of the well. And he was just like, yeah. you weren't you weren't supposed to help her. It's just yeah, like well, his I, face is like, oh no. Well, and I also love how this is the only scene where you actually truly kind of see the sunshine too in the entire movie. Right. Like, um, which is cool. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up too. Cause yeah, this is like the one scene in the movie where it actually looks bright and like happy and nice. And it's obviously it's supposed to be that way because you know, then it turns it's on, turn it, turns it on its head and you realize, Oh shit, this is not a happy scene at all. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he's like, why would you do that? And then he's basically like, she never sleeps. And then you see like his nose start to bleed. Uh huh. And then this is the big scene, dude. I want to, I want to know what was your reaction to this scene? The very first time you saw it. Cause did you see it in the theater or did you see it? At no, home? the first time I ever saw it was at, um, my house. My uncle had let my parents borrow the movie and I had a, 
was like a small gathering, like a party. It was like I think it might have been a birthday party. I don't remember, but at the house, and we, there was like twelve of us that watched it together at the same time. So it was it was pretty cool to watch it all together. Um, but yeah, no, I never saw it in theaters. But just this scene is just like ridiculous because you. It all builds up to it too throughout the entire movie. It built you because the fly you realize can come through the the screen and whatnot. But yeah, and it's yeah. it's great that you finally get to see what the person sees when uh, she comes after them, which is what we see in Noah's apartment. When um, I'm assuming he thinks everything's great too now, but the TV kicks on and it's yeah. Go ahead, you can talk us through it. But it's like this is a really great scene. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause he's like just sitting there. I think he's like looking at things through a little magnifying glass and then you like see the TV come on. And so he goes to like shut it off and it comes back on again, but this time it's not static. It's like that shot of the well. Yeah. Um, and then like, this is when Rachel's trying to call him, she's trying to get him on the phone and this whole, oh, this whole fucking scene, dude, like so good. Cause then you get like the shots of like the TV and the waters, like pouring down the side of the TV and there's like, it's puddling on the floor. And then you kind of see her like getting, coming out of the well and she's just like coming closer to him. And then you get that, like, it's kind of, it jump cuts back and forth between him and Rachel, because at this point, Rachel's like in the car, like driving to the apartment, trying to get there. Right. And like, he's still not answering the phone, but then she thought, oh, dude, this scene. She fucking like crawls out of the TV, which is so cool looking. Like even to this day, it still looks cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like the like the effects, the effects look really cool. And I love how like when she comes out of the TV, he falls back. He's like, what the fuck? Which is exactly <laughs> which is exactly what I did the first time I watched this film. I remember that scene specifically. I was like, oh my god, I don't like that. Well, you're not I expecting remember. her to crawl out of the TV, right? Like even like the it was even creepy for me when you see her hands. You see her hands on the well, and you're like, oh shit, she's coming out of this well. And then it's just her hair, mm-hmm. and then she crawls out when she's walking toward the screen. And at that point, you're like, uh, what is going on here, right? And then she just comes out of the fucking TV. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is why I wanted to ask you, how did you react when you first saw that? What was your reaction? I Honestly, I've seen it so many times since then. I really don't remember, but I would have to imagine it had to have creeped me the fuck out. Um, yeah. It's one of my favorite scenes in horror movies is, is that final scene where she finally comes out, crawls out of the well I really, and this is probably not a popular opinion, but I really love the well scene in Ring 2 where Rachel's crawl climbing out of the well and you see Samara climb up behind her. It, like, that yeah. also creeps me out. I mean, I have Samara tattooed on my arm coming out of the well, so that tells you how much I like this scene and that imagery from that scene. But, yeah, it's just it's fantastic just to see her crawl through, out of the TV, onto the floor. She stands up, and I think, doesn't she like kind of like time jump? Yeah, like, she like uh oh what's the word? Um no. Teleports. Kind yeah, of thing, like I real guess. real quick right at him, which is he falls backward, but it's almost like her force pushes him backward. But what yeah, I Yeah, because he falls back against that shelf. Yes. What I also really like about the scene is uh she's like digital. So she's like flickering. It's like the TV, the static in the TV, because staticky TVs creep me the fuck out anyway, probably because of this movie. But like <laughs> she looks like that. Like she's like staticky yeah. and she's like flickering and she's like, I don't know, it's just she's very digital looking, in my opinion. Well, and I love that shot of when she's walking up to him, like that shot of her feet and the water's just like dripping off her feet as she's walking. I think it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. And then you get like the the whole 
reveal of what her face actually looks like because her hair parts and she looks fucking scary oh yeah 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 like like she's been stuck in a well for seven days her skin's green and nasty and yeah Yeah. and i think you can kind of see where she imprints those images on their brain at that point too when because i think you have to probably make eye contact with her but uh one question we always had was uh so does she move the bodies like how do the bodies like katie ended up in the closet and noah ends up in a chair like he was on the floor correct yeah yeah i don't know that's never explained i don't know i guess it's one of those things that you're just supposed to not think about because <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that you're just like not supposed to just yeah it's okay whatever yeah. they got there how they got there who knows but yeah, I love this uh, when Rachel gets there and the phone's like still ringing. Yeah, and you just and you just see Noah with his back to her sitting in that chair, and there's just water all around him. And then she goes up to like turn the chair around, but I like that you don't see what she sees until a little bit later after that. Right. But her scream in this film is great too. Like she's so good in this film. She really is. She's she's excellent in this film for sure. And then you get the shot of the you get the shot of the girlfriend. I'm assuming the girlfriend of Noah coming up the stairs and she's kind of hiding inside like a, a doorway and uh like she gets back home and she like just goes off on aid and she's like go to your room now yeah she's like, <laughs> she's like major freak out moment here after uh witnessing that but i mean when you think about it she's like probably thinking like oh shit this is gonna happen to my son mm-hmm. but then she realizes that well i should be dead already so what did i do that Noah didn't do. And I think that's when she looks and that's when she sees the copy that she, the copy of the tape she threw out of the VCR underneath the couch. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing that's always kind of confused me. Like, do you have to make a copy or do you just have to show somebody else the tape? I think you have to make a copy and have somebody watch it. Cause she wants to spread this. She wants to spread this sickness, right? So she, you know, yeah. having one tape is not going to be as easy. And I think they dive way more into that in rings. I don't know. Have you seen rings from 17? Yeah. It's the one that has Ryan Merriman's character more in it. Right. Uh, where it's just like, he's like, it's like a whole featurette type thing on the ring Two DVD where it just like shows him leading up to the seven days before he dies in the opening scene, correct? Yeah, no, but the actual movie rings that came out until the third one. Yeah, I, I've only seen it once because I didn't like it very much. They really <laughs> dive into you have to make the copy and then somebody else has to watch it. Um, okay, because like they were never they were never like super clear on that. So I was like, so was Rachel safe from the beginning because she showed him this tape and she never had to make a copy, or does she actually have to make a copy? You yeah, because if you watch, she when she takes him, she's using his finger, but she like walks him through making a copy of it, and then he asks her at the very. That's how the movie ends, but it's at the end. Well, what happens to the person that we show it to? And then right. It's kind of left open ended from there that, well, basically they have to do the same thing or they're fucked. <laughs> True. Yeah. But yeah, I love, I love her um, realization here. I, I talked about it and I'm, I'm going back to the podcast on Elm Street episode a lot. I know I'm, I'm starting to sound like a broken le- record, but I, I kind of like how they did this scene in Ringu more so than the remake because in Ringu, um, the reason why she realizes the whole tape thing is because she sees like, a reflection of there's there's a part of the tape where there's a guy with like i think it's like a a sack over his head or a towel and he's pointing at something in the video and she sees him pointing towards the direction of where the tape is like underneath the the couch or whatever Mm. so for me that was way more i don't know informative for her to to pick up on what 
he was throwing down. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I think they did it a little bit better in, in Ringu because in the ring, you're just kind of like, how did she come to that conclusion? I, I, and I mean, we talked about it briefly on that episode, but I think it's probably just because she realized with process of elimination, that's the one thing that she did do that he didn't. So she's like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. So I think um, it also it, helps that the tape was the copy of the tape because it says copy on it. And she just yeah. happened, like I said, she saw it under the couch, so it makes sense. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's a great conclusion to the movie. Um, unfortunately, Noah didn't make it. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of sad because his character really, like, you know, you kind of start to get invested in his character because at the beginning you're kind of like, oh, this guy's a pompous asshole, you right. know. But but you really start to like him towards the end of this film and. I think that's what makes it so sad because it's just like, damn, he, he probably would have turned his life around, but you know, Maybe. what do you do? But yeah, no, I really like the way this film ends because you know, you, as you were saying, like they're in the office of like the news place again and she's like helping him push it into the, the the player. And he's like, so what, what happens to the next person that we show this to, you know? And I like how it leaves it open-ended, but I don't, I'm not a fan of that. They don't explain in the second one who they showed it to. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you show it to somebody and then tell them what to do, I wouldn't even feel bad about it. Honestly, <laughs> if I'm being honest, <laughs> like, Hey, I need you to watch this tape, make a copy of it and then show it to somebody. If they don't so do if it. I came, so if I came up to you and told you to do that, would you believe me? If you were like, hey, I'm going to fucking die if you don't do this, I'd be like, okay, I'll watch the tape and I'll make a copy of it and show it to somebody. Oh, Josh. Well, maybe not so for nice. you, but somebody I like, I'd probably do that, you know? All right. Well, you can go. <laughs> Bye. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted, Josh. Sorry. All right. But uh, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with this film before we move on? I don't think so. I think that covers, we, we went through it pretty in depth, so I'm... You know, I think people probably gather from listening to me talk. I really enjoy this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess now it's time to get into the rating section of this. So I have a story rating out of 10, a quality rating out of 10. And just to clarify, story is strictly just, in my opinion, the plot, like where the story goes. Quality is like acting, uh, cinematography, all that kind of stuff. Because I've had people that come on the show <laughs> that have come on the show in the past, I get confused between those two things because they're kind of almost the same thing. So I wanted to specify. Um, and then your favorite scene and your least favorite scene, and then we can get into the trivia section. So, All right. Um, but I'll let you take it away with the story rating first, Josh. So what's your story rating out of 10? So I, I kind of feel like I'm cheating because I've already done this with uh, the, the Horror Movie Crew podcast when, when we did this film. So I wanted to make sure my ratings were spot on with that. Um so I actually, I love the storyline. I think it's great. I think that um, it's different. When it came out, it was different than other movies we'd gotten at that time. Um, I'll be honest with you. I love this movie so much. I've never watched Ringu because I just, I don't want to watch it because I just feel like this movie's perfect and I don't want to change anything about it. And I, yeah. I just, I've never watched it. Uh, maybe for, if we do this franchise for another horror podcast, I may end up having to watch it. But nonetheless, um, I think that that says that speaks volumes to what I think about the story. I think it's a brilliantly laid out story and just the way that they subtly take you through it. And the fact that you can watch it multiple times and get different things, pick different things out. Of, I think that's also great. So, uh, out of 10, I gave it a 9.8 out of 10. And I'll be honest with you. I gave it 
a 98% on the Horror Movie Crew podcast, so you're going to see some trends happening here. So let's jump into <laughs> quality. I think Naomi Watts is great. I think the kid that plays Aiden's great. I was never a huge fan of the actor that played Noah. I think Noah's a good character, and he, he does okay. But he never stood out for me, uh, other than being some yeah. comic relief here and there. And then um, the girl that plays Samara is fantastic, and I, I really think that had she not been so creepy and done so well that maybe the movie wouldn't have been uh, what it was. But... um so anyway, quality rating the the from a cinematography standpoint, I don't generally get into this because I'm not a uh, an art student like Seth. Seth's our our uh, our art student at the Horror Movie Crew podcast. I'm just a dumb hillbilly, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's beautifully shot. I love the way they worked those greens in and made it just look really creepy and dark. And the fact that it's always raining, I also think is great. But uh, I also gave it a nine point eight out of ten, just because that's where I think it is. My favorite nice. scene has got to be the final scene when Samara finally comes out of the TV. There's not a single scene, so I'm jumping ahead, but there's not a single scene in this movie I don't like. I don't think there's anything. That, and you, if you listen to HMC, you'll hear me talk about I like an hour and a half movie, and I can generally find, I call it trimming the fat, where you can trim yeah. some scenes out, take stuff out that's not necessary. I don't think that there's anything in this movie that needs to be taken out. I don't think there's anything that bogs it down, that takes away from the story, or that there's any scenes that don't add to the story. I think every scene has its purpose uh, in the movie. So I don't have a least favorite scene, but my favorite scene is definitely um, when she comes out of the TV at the end. It's because it's so shocking, and at the time it was just so like uh, unrealistic. Like this, this can't be what's yeah. really happening. This could never really happen. And then it kind of makes you think, well, shit. What if it did happen? So um, yeah, that's that's it for me. Nice, buddy. Um, story story rating for me. Um, I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. Um, I, I think it's a very original storyline. I mean, obviously this is a remake. So obviously Ringu, Ringu came first. So this film kind of just took what Ringu did and kind of um, took the same storyline and, and ran with it. But what I like about this film is that they, they took a, a already familiar concept that Ringu did, but they kind of make it different. Like it, they're, they're, you can watch these two movies and there's similarities between the two of them, but they're completely different films. And that's something I appreciate because it's it's not like a shot for shot remake. Like it it has its own flair, it has its own, you know, characters. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just really love I really love the storyline in this film. Um I didn't give it a perfect 10 just because it's, you know, obviously a remake. So it took original source material to make this film. So it's not its own original concept. Otherwise I would have given it a solid 10. If like this was, if we only had the one that came out in 2002 and not the one that came out before it, I would have given it a solid 10 because before that we had never seen something like that before. So, but, but given the fact that this film took the source material from something that came before it, you know, I can't give it a solid 10 because it's not an original concept. So for that, I'm going to give it a, a nine out of 10 for quality. I'm giving it a solid 10 because just of everything you listed, I think the acting's great. Um, I do agree with the Noah character. I think uh, his acting is a little uh, like, especially in strangers <laughs> pray at night. There's some of his acting in that film was kind of laughable. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, like there was a scene that when I was watching it with my dad, we were kind of like chuckling because his, uh, his acting is just not that great. Um, but aside from that, I think, you know, the the atmosphere is fucking fantastic the score like there there isn't really much of a score in this film and i talked about it once again i'm going back to the podcast on elm street shouting those guys out a lot today (laughs) but uh 
we talk I talked about how like subtle the score is in this film too. It's just it's it's not much of a score. It's more so like bassy kind of. Mm-hmm. Like especially in the opening scene, it's more of just like this underlining like weird sound. They and they I rely kinda... on the they rely on the um the ambiance, I think, a lot with like the rain and the storms mm-hmm. and I, that bassy sound really plays into that. Right. But then when you do hear like the actual music, like it's it sounds beautiful. Like you get that orchestral type of music and yeah, it's it's fantastic. The cinematography is gorgeous. The way this film is lit, the way this film is shot, just everything about it. The tape itself is creepy as hell. The character of Samara's iconic. Um, just yeah, there's nothing I as you were saying, like there's nothing I would personally cut out of this film either, except for maybe like the horse scene. But after talking to you about it, like and what you like about it and stuff, I understand why it's in there. So like. I kind of retract my statement that I said on the podcast in Elm Street episode. I kind of actually do appreciate that scene. Um, yeah. So perfect 10 for me, my favorite scene. I would love to say the ending scene, but since you already said that I'm going to go with a different one, I'm going to go with the opening scene. I really love that scene. Like it, it, it starts the movie off. You don't see anything, but it's still scary as hell. Like the mm-hmm. first time you watch it. And even now when I watch it, it still creeps me out. Like it doesn't scare me obviously, but, I remember being terrified when I was when I was a young kid watching this film for the first time. It the opening scene really freaked me out. And I don't know, I just I think the opening scene is effective. It gets you right into the story. It starts off with a bang and nothing really even happens. So that's impressive to me that it's like such a, a strong opening. And yeah, I don't have a least favorite scene either. Like there's not a scene in this film that I can think of that I don't like. So yeah, I don't have one either. Um but yeah beautiful so it's kind of a soapbox wasn't it <laughs> get off your soapbox get off my soapbox but uh josh are you ready to dive into the trivia section i'm ready let's do it i'll tell you i'm, I'm notoriously bad at trivia so this is gonna be interesting hey i think you're gonna do great i think you need to give yourself more credit josh we'll see let's see I, how i do because i really don't think you're as bad as you think you are mm. so We'll find out. All right. You ready? Born ready. Hit me. Okay. So question number one, and these are all multiple choice, except I think there might be a true or false. Yep. There's a true or false question in here somewhere. Okay. Um, It's only 10 questions. So here we go. All right. So question number one, in the beginning of the movie, Katie is killed one week after watching the cursed video. Where is her body found? A in a well. B in the living room, C under the floorboards, or D in her closet. In her closet. Correct, sir. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Question number two. What is the exact time of death that Katie and her friends all died? 10 uh, p.m. It... Hey. What? It's multiple choice. I have to go through the questions first. Oh, sorry. Jeez, jumping ahead there. <laughs> I forgot it was multiple choice. I got excited. <laughs> oh, you're fine. <laughs> Is it A, 9 p.m., B, 11 a.m., C, 10 p.m., or D, 1 p.m.? 10 p.m. Nice job, buddy. <clears throat> All right, so question number three. Where does Rachel watch the the VHS for the first time a in her apartment B at Noah's place C at the office or D in a cabin in a cabin cabin number correct. 12 at Shelton mountain Inn. shelter mountain Inn. Did I get bonus points. 
I think you do. Yeah. I think that warrants a bonus point. Yes. That you remember the what cabin it was. Very impressed. And the location. There you go. All right. So question number four, Josh. On the first day of her week, Rachel allows Noah to watch the video. A or true or false? On the first day of her week. Rachel allows Noah to watch the video. True or false? Is it day one or is it day two? I believe it's day one. Because you want me to get the answer wrong? <laughs> it's just day... Yeah, it's day one because it's like directly after the scene when she's sitting on the bed. That's when she shows Noah the tape, so it's the first day. So true? Don't get caught up on the first day of her week, Rachel allows... Just just focus on the last part. Rachel allows Noah to watch the video, true or false? Oh, that's true. Yeah, there you go. I think you were getting... I think you were getting too caught up on the first part of that question. I don't know why that's there, though. <laughs> I was, because I was like, well, did they say what day? Well, was it Monday? But then I'm like, well, maybe they start their weeks on Sundays. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? All right, true. Yep, that is correct. All right, you're going four for four right now. Let's see if you can get five. Scary. All right, what? Okay, question number five. What image appears beyond the frame of the video only to appear when Rachel controls the track? Oh, that. Oh, sorry. I'll let you do your thing here. A, a barn, B, a graveyard, C, a well, or D, a lighthouse? A lighthouse. Ding, ding, ding. Five for five. All right. Question number six. Anna Morgan exclusively raised which of these animals? A, horses, B, dogs, C, chickens, or D, goats? Horses. Yeah, correct. Question number seven. Rachel discovers that Samara was Anna Morgan's biological daughter. True or false? False. That is correct. See, these questions are easy. <laughs> these questions are real fucking easy. I, I wanted to find something that was a little bit harder, but I couldn't. Like, I looked through all these quizzes, and they were all basically the same questions, and I was like... Oh, That's okay. Man. Keep asking easy ones. I love it. <laughs> all right. Question number eight. Rachel and Noah find a burned etching in the wall of the Morgan's barn. What does it depict? A, a tree, B, a chair, C, a person, or D, a cabin? A tree. Ding, ding, ding. Man, 80% right now. Past the there test. There you go. Yep. Number nine. What causes the ring to appear? A, light around the lid of a well. B, sunspots. C, lens flare on a video. Or D, the burn of a cigarette on paper. Uh, that would what be A, light around the ring of a well. Correct. What the fuck are these other answers, though? <laughs> I didn't make <laughs> yeah. them up. The burn of a cigarette on paper, huh? Okay. Could be. Anyway. Yeah, maybe. All right. Question number 10. Final question, Josh. Let's see if you can get them all right. In the end, Rachel Rachel figures out that copying the tape and showing it to somebody else is the only way to shift the curse off of herself, off yourself. Who does Aiden show the tape to? A, his teacher. B, Rachel's coworker. C, his cousin. Or D, we never find out. D, we never find out. My guess is it's that bitchy teacher that she didn't like. <laughs> Probably. She's like, oh, you kept calling me Rachel, or you kept calling me Miss Keller when I was telling you to call me Rachel. Well, bitch. Watch you're about this to tape. Out what happens. Whatever you do, don't make a copy oh, of it. You know what? Maybe she gave it to her boss. Maybe. That's, that's something to think about. I bet she gave it to her fucking boss. Maybe she went back to that convenience store and gave it to that girl working behind the desk. No, I bet she gave it to her boss, and that's why she really moved in the second movie. <laughs> Could be. Maybe that's why they moved. I don't know. Uh-huh. That's something to think about. 
But nice job, Josh. 10 out of fucking 10, dude. It's unheard of. It's unheard of, I tell you. Well, I mean, you know, they were easy questions, but whatever. You know. <laughs> no, you did a good job, buddy. Thank you for thank you for participating in that trivia round. That was fun. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, before we go, do you want to plug in your podcast one last time for the listeners? Again, I am one third of the Horror Movie Crew podcast. We are a weekly horror podcast. We talk about our favorite movies, sometimes not favorite movies. We go through them scene by scene. We're really more of a comedy podcast disguised as a horror podcast because we pretty much laugh all the way through the podcast. You would know you were just on and experienced it. Um, Contrary to popular belief, none of it's written down. It's somehow we just uh, improv it right off the top of our heads while we start recording. And uh, it's pretty comical. So if you want to check us out, we're on all major podcast platforms. And we are at Horror Movie Crew Podcast on Instagram. Very nice, buddy. Nice shout. Nice uh, shameless plug-in. Oh, thank good. you. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I have to say, like, oh, my God. When I was on your podcast last weekend, <laughs> I was dying. Like, I, I don't think I've laughed that hard in a long-ass time. Like, I was, I was literally laughing so hard I was crying. There were tears. <laughs> there were tears falling down my face at some points. Um, but you guys are just fun. I'm really, really, really excited to have you guys on this weekend. So it'll be a blast. We're excited to come on. We're ha- we're happy to have you on ours. Um, yeah. we just like to laugh and have a good time. We don't take ourselves seriously. Um, we're not genre experts. If you, you want to come and hear about, um, intricacies of movie making, we're not your people, but if you want to come and talk about <laughs> horror movies and laugh, we're your, we're your folks. Nice, nice. And uh, do we want to tell the listeners uh, what to look forward to this week, what we're doing with you guys when you guys come on mine? We will be talking about the original Evil Dead from 1981, I think. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. Yeah, we did, <laughs> we did the Evil Dead 2013 for our podcast, and we'll be talking about the original uh, this weekend. So we'll see which one we liked more and uh, why or why we didn't like it. Very, very exciting. I'm I'm so I'm so stoked to have you guys on. I hope you guys want me to come back on yours again at some point too. We'll see. It depends on how much money you'll pay us, but we could probably make it work. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Uh well uh yeah, you can find me at the We Love Horror Podcast on Instagram at We Love Horror Podcast. I do have a Twitter, never use it. Don't know if I'm ever going to use it. I say this at every episode. Um, but you can also email me at we love horror at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on all major podcasting platforms as well. Uh, and if you don't mind, leave me a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, head over to the Horror Movie Crew Podcast on Apple and leave them a review as well. So, Please, yeah. thank you. Yep, no problem. And then also, Josh and I just started a podcast that we talked about at the beginning of this episode. Uh, another horror podcast where we're going to be releasing the first episode of that in March. So... Look out for that. Be on the lookout, kids. It's going to be exciting. Very fucking excited, dude. So, but anyway, with that being said, I don't have anything else to say unless you do. So, I don't. Thanks for having me again. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you for wanting to do it so last minute because <laughs> literally I was just like two days ago. It's like, hey, Josh, uh, want to come on my <laughs> podcast this week? You're like, yeah, all right. Fuck so, it. I'll do it. Yeah, I think this was a really fun discussion. I think we got really in the nitty and gritty on this movie so i agree so anyway but yeah thank you josh for coming on appreciate you buddy and uh we will see you guys next time see you later bye
Seven days. Seven days. <laughs>